Campbell. Stop that. Oh. I'm so hungover today. I that sounds bad for you. I've had a fantastic weekend. I'm feeling great. Oh, I had a great go. weekend. I would hope so. <laughs> Let me assure hungover. you. Yeah. yeah. It sucks but, to have a bad weekend and then also be hungover. Yeah, but no, it's been a pretty good weekend. The weather has surprisingly been not rainy. It's sunny today. Nice. Yeah, it's windy and it's super cold, but cannot so get relate. That vitamin D, baby. Cannot relate, but you know what? It hasn't been too bad. Hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been too bad. I'm just like stalling because it's my turn to. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to take the shot. Do the deed. Um, should we just get into it? I think we should just get into it, you know, just just buckle down, buckle down. So now for our new segment called, (laughs) uh, you got this. I believe in you. I see your creative mind. Gin gesticulating. I don't know. Ooh, gin gesticulating. I love it. Okay. That's what I, gin gesticulations, maybe gesticulations with gin. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. It's gonna be so painful. I don't believe in myself. Uh, incidental music Ooh. is our term today. So this it's in in music, plays, televisions, video games. It's really kind of referred to as background music, and it's or when the music that's playing during like scene changes and things mm-hmm. like that. There's different kinds of types like overtures, theme songs, underscores, loops. But I picked that one because I thought the musical we're talking about today did a really good job of the composition for the incidental music. And I never knew, like, what that word was before. Like, I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know it was specifically that. So that's that's <laughs> that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that will be coming up a little bit during my composer corner um, in terms of how that was made. Um, so, yeah, that's a great term. Good to, good to be learning more, you know, the more you know. The more you know. And so with that, the musical we will be talking about today is Kinky Boots, something hey. I've been looking forward to seeing for a long while now. And the version we're going to be talking about today is specifically the 2019 uh, London recording mm-hmm. yeah. stage show. Yeah. But what are we drinking, Raven? Ah, so today we are drinking a Negroni, which is a beautifully balanced and just like multi-layered cocktail in my mind. Not, it's not always a fan favorite with some people, but I love it. Oh, a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people don't like it. My boyfriend did not enjoy the sip he took of mine, which can mean one of two things. One, he just doesn't like them. Two, the one I made wasn't good. So let's find out. But I, I think it's because. Not not everyone loves a bitter cocktail, and, and Negronis yeah. does have a large bitter component. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, a Negroni can kind of come in two styles. It's one of those like old school classic cocktails that was around with like you know Tom Collins old fashioned like all of that. Um, so I think the classic classic Negroni um, is gin, sweet vermouth, and Campari, um, or some form of aperitif, which is like a bitter Ooh. Italian liqueur. Um, sometimes Campari, sometimes Aperol, uh, but there's also a popular like version or variation of the Negroni that is made with whiskey, and that is what I will be drinking today because I prefer whiskey Negronis over gin Negronis. And I'm keeping it classic, but 
with these, it's generally equal parts, those three things. Mm -hmm. But the kind I have today, a dear, 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 really good friend of mine for like ever now, Wyatt, for New Year's a couple years ago, he was making everyone Negro everyone Negronis. And how he does it, it's, you know, equal parts, the gin and the Campari. But he does add a little bit more extra sweet vermouth, which I realized, ooh, that's how I prefer mine. So it's that. And then you have, you know, orange rind that you, um, you know, twist and, twist and shout mm -hmm. into it. And, you know, just get it nice and citrusy and aromatic and lovely so i also uh and this is just my own personal spin i like to add just a dash of orange bitters um just to really amplify Ooh, that orange i think flavor. i'm going to make do that for my next one because mm -hmm. i i do have orange bitters yeah shall we take a taste yes cheers cheers to wyatt to wyatt I love these so much. I don't know if it's because, like, my family's Italian, but mm -hmm. I just love Campari so much, and especially Same. with the Negroni, it's just very much highlighted because there's, like, not much else in there. Mm -hmm. But, oh, I really and love I, Campari. It, it's also, with, like, drinks like these, you don't want, like, a lot of ice to dilute the drink, but you mm -hmm. want enough to, like, keep it cold, so, like, larger ice cubes are really good for that. Yeah, I have one and of my giant square cubes. So nice. I have like two spheres in it. Ooh, nice. I I feel better having a sip. <laughs> I don't know if that's that's a problem. Yeah. That doesn't sound the best actually saying it out loud. Yeah, my problem but... with these is that all of the components generally has some alcohol in them. I guess there's not really just like a mixer, you know, like a sweet syrup or something mm. like that. Um, but I can sip these, you know, just like any other drink. So We'll see how this and episode goes. And I think goes. that's what's really going to help us because we're just going to be sipping these and we're not going to have five of them. Uh, I'm going to really set up a boundary for myself there for this episode because <laughs> I have work tomorrow and I need to um, not feel like I'm dying. Fair, fair. I need to bring up the energy, pump up the jams as it were. I did have a nice cold brew earlier, so I feel like I'm, you know, Ooh. good, good to get through the I had a the chai latte. But anyway, let's make our bodies feel worse and talk about Kinky Boots. So a little bit of the history is Kinky Boots, the musical, the music and lyrics are by Cindy Lauper and the book by Harvey Fierstein. But it is based on a 2005 British film, Kinky Boots, which I think yeah. is interesting when you go from a source material and like make it like a musical like this, like Legally mm -hmm. Blonde or Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And I, you can do this. <laughs> I really didn't know much about Kinky Boots um, before watching this. Like I, I'd heard about it before. I knew like the basic, basic premise of it, um, but didn't really know much about it. And I didn't know that it was adapted from a British novel. So when my my very first note is, oh, they're British. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting character choice. Um, anyway, this loose synopsis is this musical is about a family shoe mm -hmm. manufacturing business in yes. the UK that is going under and the owner the son who takes ownership of it teams up with an unlikely ally to oh, modernize yeah. and update their product mm -hmm. and 
this one, this I really think all the actors did a really good job. But the oh, yeah. Kinky Boots has also had some really cool, notable performers mm-hmm. and the different variations of it. Tell us, Campbell. and so like the original Broadway cast had Stark Sands. Lola was played by Billy Porter. Like, yes, like, I, I would have loved to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would also have loved to see Anna Lee Ashford playing Lauren. But uh, someone else that I really wish. Oh, I would sorry, like to Emily Axford as... would have been amazing as Lauren. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's Th- this actress yeah. also did a fantastic job. But Emily Axford. Yeah, would Anna Lee Ashford. Anna Lee Ashford, not. Emily oh, Ashford. I'd like to say Emily Axford. She would also perfect no. to be fair. <laughs> no, Anna Lee Ashford. But one person that I really would have loved to see performing as Lola was Wayne Brady. <laughs> That's like something I sometimes I usually look at if we're watching a stage production, which this is what this is what that was. Yeah, we saw it on. Oh, we also I had a thought. Should we tell people how we watch these? Oh, I think so. Yeah. In case they want to watch the. That's probably a great idea. Oh my god! So this version. Genius. Yeah, this is. um, We're not, you know, sponsored by them by any means, but there's a. Like stage show, theater, plays, documentary, streaming service called Broadway HD, and mm-hmm. so that's how Raven and I Comes watched in this musical. Yes, 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 and it's really expanded a lot of uh, the musicals that we can talk about because usually there's yeah. some that we would love to do, but we have no, we have no way access to access. Yeah. yeah, so then we don't do it because that podcast wouldn't work that way. But, but Wayne Brady as Lola. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, he totally has the the dramatics and the randomness for it. Yeah, Todrick Hall also played Lola, mm, and I also I thought a really fun. Um, I don't know his acting skills per se, but he does have a good singing voice. And ooh, topical! The band just broke up after like nineteen years. Uh, Brendan Urie played Charlie, at, in one of the productions of huh. Panic of the Disco. Interesting. I think I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Kinky Boots. Let's yeah, so take we, another set. Oh, yeah. Um, so we start off with the Price and Son theme. So we see Charlie's father. I love it. Charlie's father, Mr. Price, um, basically starting off the show, like introducing the fact that this is a family-run business. Um, we learn soon that Charlie is the fourth generation son in this family business. Um, and they are a shoe manufacturing company set in Northampton, um, England, which I think is north of London. It's like a little more rural of an area, which yeah, is relevant so pri- slightly to the story. Yeah, the yeah. Price and Son theme is a practical and pragmatic it's like Mm -hmm. such a fun radio jingle and it reminds me a little bit just like the the phrasing um of modern major general you know just like the Mm -hmm. i don't know something about it um yeah and so we have mr price is played by graham kent who's been in a million things but he's Mm -hmm. uh, also been in the bill eastenders Charlie uh, Price is played by Killian Donnelly. Is this the young been... version or the old? Well, Killian Donnelly plays the adult version, but do we know who plays, plays the, the adult version? version? Yeah, the child version is played by someone named Charlie. So Charlie Aww. Underhill plays young Charlie. and But Killian Donnelly uh, has been in so many different productions with different theater companies. Some of his theater credits include Singing in the Rain. He was in West Side Story, Sweeney Todd. Um, he has three different Les Mis credits interesting uh, some of the 
stage shows he's did, he, he's played, uh, I don't know how to say his name, the character in Les Mis, and, and uh, Goal Ross. Angel Ross. Yes, uh, he's also played Jean Valjean, but in the movie adaptation of Les Mis, he played Combeferre. He also played the Phantom at Her Majesty's Theater in West End. Ooh, okay. Which, sick. <laughs> so, the Price and Sun theme is pretty quick, and we we go into the factory. Um, and we, which side note, I love the set pieces that they have um, for this. The, the set, so it's like it's in like the transitions. Is, Honestly, Fantastic. top tier. Fantastic. I, that that's my favorite part of this musical. Yeah. The transitions are seamless. They are such so well engineered the mm-hmm. set pieces to be so like multifaceted and yeah. not see seem like oh we can kind of see you know a bunch of stairs in the background but we're in a bar now that doesn't yeah. really make any sense and and the thing i like about it is that it's very like, transformers robots in disguise for as large as it is um each of the individual set pieces and set designs are relatively minimalist so that you can do more with them so like the factory itself is really just like a large platform um and then some like movable like cabinets and shelves and like a couple of like the assembly like what, what's the word for a conveyor belts you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it just kind of gives the the facade of a factory and then you see this brick wall that moves in front of it that shows the outside so you can make so many different settings with just like these couple of pieces moving around um, yeah and both raven and i have like deep experience in manufacturing yes. which is a fun thing we can bring to this musical alcohol filled mm-hmm. podcast i've been a factory operator before yeah same yeah. and Oh, man, they really need to do a better staffing there. But you know oh what, Campbell? Lord. You've moved on. You don't work there anymore. <laughs> it's fine. You don't still Flashbacks. Oh, God. Um, I completely forgot what I was saying. Oh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's also such a cool concept that they can, the melding of kind of ideas for them. Because for yeah. them, and we really see in this next song, The Most Beautiful Thing, uh, these people do have like a passion for their work. They are love shoes. And I think that's really reflected in the set as well. So yeah, it is you yeah. know a manufacturing plant. But with the stylistic choices, especially of like the windows that are kind of like stained glass, uh, cathedral adjacent, there's some... Yeah. Um, uh, reverence for this kind of environment which i think you know shows in you know character motivations but just as like the set itself yeah which i think was just really cool i was like I, industrial and catholic damn right um and i, I definitely agree getting into the song or um protestant. the I don't most know what part of england it is likely protestant i would assume mm-hmm. uh except for the irish people but um take that henry the eighth <laughs> Getting, getting into the most beautiful thing. Um, basically, this whole song is about how shoes are fucking amazing and everyone here loves them. Um, I will say about this song, it is way too long. I do agree, especially because um, how big it's very is, repetitive. How many times, yeah, how, the most beautiful thing in the world. It just doesn't stop. This and was I think the that's, first song that was written for the musical. The I think... Wrote. That's maybe a, a criticism I do have for some of these songs because I really like the, the music and I do think out of musicals that have more modernist mm-hmm. compositions and styles, this is like top of the list. I gotcha. 
gotcha. for me. But I, I did song, also really like the music, yeah. But the songs just like seemed like just a little too long. I me. agree. I have I have some other criticisms as we get especially to the next song. Um, but my my favorite part of this one, um, so we see a young, uh, not yet Lola, um, but Simon. Um, Played by Timba Milzwa, uh, who has also been in another musical we've done, Raven. And you're never going to guess it, so I'm going to tell you. Okay. Who's one of the, a member in the Mouse Band and Cats? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I would not, yeah. Have, I would not even have thought of that. Um, but yeah, so we see him trying on these bright red heels and rocking them. Super This little gay boy just wants to dance and look little, pretty. Yes. Oh, we love it. Um, and we also see that Charlie um, is not particularly interested in taking over the shop. Um, he's more interested in, in leaving, moving off to London, and going into like a marketing sort of job. Um, at no. least that's his current plan to kind of get out of this area. I also really like the use of the harpsichord in oh, yeah. this song. I think the instrument choices at different points, especially the percussion strings adjacent kind of thing, Yeah. Uh, there because there's different styles so this was the harpsichord i feel like a lot of times there's like 60s kind of like music mm -hmm. and there's times it's very like 80s influence which makes sense because it's like cindy lopper and then like it kind of bounces around like different decades yeah which i think is really really fun and i don't think any of it's like out of place but i think it's really cool when you have like a style of music that you can pick out based off the instrumentation. Yeah. And so that's like sometimes what I've noticed with some of these songs. Like one of the songs I was just like, ooh, play that banjo. Give me more like uh, modern folksy Mumford and Sons kind <laughs> of shit. And yeah. I like it. Yeah, and I think that's that's really cool. So, like, kind of to speak to what you were saying, so the, the music in here ranges from pop to funk to new wave to sort of tango, um, all those different genres. I have a lot and, to talk about the tango one. Oh, and yes. It's just, oh, man. Yeah, and it was, it was uh, created, the musical performances were done using a 12-piece orchestra that included uh, various keyboards, one of which I think, you know, was the harp support sound, um, percussion, yeah. bass, guitars, reeds, uh, violin, viola, cello, trumpet, and trombone. So that was sort of the makeup. Uh, and I think I think that range of instruments makes a lot of sense for the range of... Because uh, I, I think there was also some synthesizer there. Like, that might have been one of the keyboards. Um, yeah, especially yeah. because a lot of the, a lot of the music... Especially for funk. Yeah, for funk. And there's a lot of boogie-woogie, but yes. there's also some... Acoustic guitar, some... I was thinking more like I will like dance club music. Yeah, very much so. Especially that has which which you know Lola. have their um, influence of like jazz and swing and mm, tango and um, yeah. tango the the boogie mm -hmm. the disco kind of yeah boogie woogie influences yeah um, yeah so so after after the song um, just after actually Charlie has moved to London. For this new marketing job with his fiance, uh, who uh, fiance uh, Nicola, Nicola, um, who's played Nicola. by <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Played by Cordelia Farnworth, which oh, I love the name Cordelia. Sick name, I do too. Uh, Cordelia Farnworth. She was, oh my gosh. Yeah, right. Uh, a bunch of stage productions, but she was also in the live-action Beauty of the Beast, and she was a debutante. Ooh. And I wrote that down Ooh. because, Raven, I do know that yes. you were also a debutante. Indeed I was, Campbell. 
How droll. <laughs> nice use of the word sense. droll. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard that nice. word in a while. Um, yeah. So shortly after they moved to London, we find out that Charlie's father has passed away. Um, and of course has... Immediately. Literally, <laughs> literally they move into their apartment and, find, and he gets a phone call. Their first and I gotta say, there. Nicola is not understanding of this situation nope. whatsoever. She is not sympathetic, empathetic, not saying that she isn't right to in like certain ways but still i was just like i don't know she just came off as harsh to me yeah um and like her sort of character motivation is like she also wanted to leave the northampton area wanted to like go into the city um and wants to marry charlie you know because they've been presumably been together for a while they are actively engaged and like planning a wedding um and at the beginning we saw uh during the most beautiful thing in the world um we saw her talking about these other red pumps not the ones that simon was wearing um these other red pumps and she was like oh these are my wedding shoes like you know before you slip a ring on my finger you have to slip these on my feet you know what i mean like that sort of thing um and that kind of becomes a uh like a a, a linchpin or an issue between them um uh for the remainder of the musical but i i agree that she's not super sympathetic towards towards him um i understand that they're like her frustration over the wedding but like his father just died he's taking over this business when he really didn't want to and like it's already failing that's a lot of stress on him well and he I, also seems like he sucks at communication so, i mean correct uh, like, like not denying that again and like the importance of follow-up questions which will also, come yes. up there's a character <laughs> i was just like you did it you broke the musical curse and you asked follow-up questions <laughs> how dare you <laughs> and i'm really excited to talk about it yeah because i really like this character um, so Charlie is taking over the factory, and he it's finds a symbol out, of his family history. Yes, we literally have like the pictures of his his forefathers, um, effectively that ran the factory, um, h- hanging up around his main. No office. pun intended. <laughs> True. His forefathers. Um, his forefathers, <laughs> um, and he finds out like he's you know doing some stock, some inventory, and everything. Finds out they have a year's worth of shoes because their primary uh, client and chambers. the most beautiful. Thing in the world like this song is still going oh yes they're, they're still it singing hasn't about stopped. their love for shoots it's, it's throughout this entire sec- segment like um, i get it they're beautiful oh, but they're also kind it. of like ugly issues <laughs> yes um so their their most prominent client chambers um uh had sent back a large portion of their of their winter supply of shoes um they just canceled their spring order and uh, manufacturing of their summer order was already underway. So effectively, they have a year's worth of shoes in stock and no Which, one to sell them to. And the, like, I stressed me out so bad. Yes. They just do not also understand the concept of supply and, de- <laughs> supply and demand. There's no demand. And they're like, like, you know what? Let's just keep on making these shoes. As someone who has worked at Toyota and like executed just in time supply, it, this. Oh. this this supply chain management just hurt me. It, it hurt. Um, so we see Charlie is like freaking out. Super- oh yeah, go ahead. I do think it's really interesting. So when he comes back here and they're hanging his father's portrait, then we do hear the Price and Son theme song again. Yes. But this time it feels very more hymnal, very more funeral. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, even though like a lot of the song is still the same, but with, you know, an addition of like one or two kind of notes and the context of it, I think, I don't know, it was, it was just a cool, yeah. um, 
use of composition. Yeah, the, the there's only one uh, listed reprise of Price and Son theme, um, but it, it is used as incidental music or like kind of linking music um, here and there uh, throughout the throughout the musical, which I thought was a really good representation of Charlie's uh, kind of relationship, like linked to his father, but also his relationship yeah. to the business specifically. Yeah. You know? um, so Charlie's super stressed out trying to figure out like what am I going to do with this factory um like this uh not only is this factory linked to his family but it's very linked to the area so a lot of the people that are working here have been here for years in some cases since generationally and, yeah in some cases generations many of them like grew up with Charlie um and they, you know because they've all been in the same area their whole life so it's they very have no respect for him none whatsoever well because they, they granted they him as a literal child yeah, and granted, when he's like, okay, the boss, the beloved boss just died. Time to make my speech. He was like, uh, hi, I'll take some shoes. <laughs> yeah, let's make some shoes, guys. I will say, Charlie, as a character, is just, I don't know, I thought it was adorable. <laughs> I thought he was just I like... I did as well. It was just, like, sweet. Especially because uh, when they were at their new flat in London... When Nicola's just like, everything needs replacing. He's like, everything except me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he is just really endearing. just cute. He, yeah, endearing word. is a great word for it. And I really like his character arc overall um, throughout the story. Which, which we'll It made me mad. About. I was just like, stop sucking. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets better. <laughs> but, uh, so, so Charlie... Uh, you know, really stressed about what to do, you know, moving forward with the bar or with, with the business, like whether to take it over, whether to sell it, what to do. Um, so he goes over to the bar um, and we see him interacting with Love one of his transition. friends. Love this transition. Oh, yes. So yeah, so here, his okay. friend Harry, played by Jordan Fox, mm-hmm. is like in a band. So it's like, you know, a band playing in a bar. So yeah. they are like the musical interlude. Um, I don't it. know if this would count as incidental music, but if it is, let's I check. think so. Yeah, take a sip, take a sip. But while that's going on, um, they just completely change the set around, like, Mm -hmm. so quickly, so efficiently. Yeah. That now they're just, like, it was just so well done. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, I agree, um... And it doesn't, I didn't feel taken out of it at all. Um, and the, and the way the music goes into it, it goes really well because, um, there's a brief dialogue scene between Charlie and Harry and then we go into the song Take What You've Got because Harry's trying to like um kind of buck up and like buck Charlie up and offer him some advice um about like you know you're having to deal like obviously this is a lot of stress you're having to deal with all the stuff that's going on um you kind of just you know have to take what you've got, figure out what to do with it. Um, you have all these you know, tools and opportunities available to you. Um, and it's not about f- uh, complaining or, or melting down over what's been, but what is there to do and what, what do you want to do with it? Where you, you can know? go forward. Where can you go forward? Take what here. you got to move on from the past kind yeah. of is like the overarching thing of the song. And this yeah. is where I think the, like the, mm, what I think Kinky Boots did well and The Greatest Showman did not do well. Mm. Like this style of a song. Because what song was it when they were at the bar in The Greatest Showman? Uh, the Other Side. Which is like on its own, it's like a fine song. Mm-hmm. But in the context of a musical, I did feel like it was very out of place. But 
Um, not and it wasn't because it was you know modern music, but it was like what the nineteen twenties or thirties yeah. or something like that. And this is definitely a modern setting, but mm-hmm. the transition to this kind of music, I think, was set up really well. I agree, and, and just I, like fit. Yeah, I think other than guitar, the time period. I agree. I, I really loved the guitar trio um, that played like in the scene transition. Yeah, it was a very John Butler trio. Yeah, yeah, um, and I liked the way it, it kind of bridged us into the song, kind of gave us that introduction to it early. Um, the only thing I wasn't really sure how to feel about with the song, like, it felt very poppy for Broadway, uh, which, I mean, granted, the uh, pop was one of the major musical genres featured in this in this musical, and it makes sense coming from Cyndi Lauper, um, yeah. but I guess I wasn't expecting uh, the, the songs this early on to be, like, Coming Same. into the musical, I wasn't. But I didn't as much dislike happiness. it. I didn't necessarily dislike it. I just I wasn't quite expecting it. Um, mm-hmm. But I I I think especially as the musical progressed, I don't feel it was necessarily out of place, and I think it made sense to be. I think it made sense for of all the songs for this one to be the most like. This. Especially with that musical interlude. Agreed. It, it worked really well. I think they said they set that song up. They set you up. They set you uh, up. And I think, um, I don't know, this song does have a good message. If you're on the wrong road, turn back. Yeah, like, no, nothing is, <laughs> like, he straight up tells him nothing is set in stone. Like, yes, you've inherited this business, but if this isn't what you want, if this isn't the life you want, like, you're you're allowed to decide where you go from here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so now he's, like, leaving the bar, and he's seeing a little bit of a kerfuffle. Ooh, There's love some, that word. Thanks. I'm on it with you the, really are. the I was going to try to think of uh, the word words. <laughs> so it's either <laughs> zero or hundred. Love that video. Uh, uh, we see a woman so these... in a gold sparkly coat being oh, pursued man. by a couple of thugs. And this woman is a Lola. Lola 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 uh Matt Henry. Oh my god. Oh, Incredible. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Fanta- the entire way through, he does not let up. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 And so, some stuff he's been in. Uh, he was he was actually on The Voice in the UK, Ooh. and he, like, made it to the finale. He plays fourth, uh, which I think, I don't know, if you're able to, like, sing, you know, popularized music, but also, like, theatrically, yes. I'm like, dang, you're doing the damn thing. Absolutely. Uh, he was also in the newest Matilda movie mm-hmm. which you watched but i have not so you have betrayed our friendship i'm so sorry but it was fantastic and i do not regret it i will do it for <laughs> the podcast and then i can uh catch up uh so he was also some uh theater credits he also has uh saturday night fever uh music i really want us to do avenue q which will come up later as well during the oh my god that's so much fun mm-hmm. that's so much fun uh, but he also got the Laurence Olivier Award for Best Actor in Musical uh, for his performance in Kinky Boots. Fitting, well deserved. Yeah, Matt Henry is so fucking sick in yes. this. But we now get into the song "The Land of Lola," which yes. if oh my god, so we find out so that much Lola, fun. Lola is a uh, she's a drag queen entertainer um, at this uh, club. I I forget is is the club because her dancers are called the Angels. The song is called Land of Lola. I don't know what the club is actually called. Uh, let's make one up. Um, Ooh. The club is called um, Roses. 
Love it. I'm down for it. And it fits yeah. with the red theme. Um, I was also thinking of like the London Roses. Oh, there's I see. like a bunch of stuff that was like. Going I see. There. I got you. I got you. I think about um, things. Fuck so, you. <laughs> Land of Lola. This, <laughs> this is this huge like show, like like showstopper spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like like vaudeville in terms of like level of spectacle, but not necessarily like style of music. Very Chicago cabaret. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yes. What is like spectacle is the only word you I can really think of. Yeah. Um, because like before this, Lola like accidentally hits and knocks out Charlie because yes. Lola can take care of her damn self. And like hits him so hard she actually breaks the heel off of her shoe, which is relevant for the scene after this. Weak ass shoe. Weak ass shoe. Um and so this Not the whole first scene, man to fall for me and you won't be the last. This whole musical number is introducing Lola, the club that she performs at and her uh fellow dancers and performers um the angels um so this is a club in london um that does that performs drag shows um and it's just fun amazing beautiful i'm it's just fun the angels oh my god i'm so stupid in my notes instead of angels i wrote angles so shout out (laughs) to willow pill of RuPaul's Drag Race, but the angels are played by Jack Allen Anderson, Jed Berry, Lewis Clark Clare, Daniel Downing, Jamal Felix, and John Reynolds. And, man, what a fun role to play. I do think it was... It's like nobody's fault, but Matt Henry is just a such a like high caliber performer that mm-hmm. like comparatively it did feel like the in some of the songs I just wish that Angels had a little bit more energy mm. to like really hit those moves. But I also watch a lot of drag contents, both drag race and like local related things and like, you know, just a bunch of shit on YouTube. I think one of the songs later that we'll get into, I think I, I like the performance there better, but I, I agree with yeah. that as a note for, for this piece, for sure. Um, so after the song, or after the performance... I am freedom, a potpourri of contradiction. I had, like, one main note for this song, and it was just work. <laughs> <laughs> work. Queen slay. Um, oh, rivet, stop. <laughs> <laughs> So we transition to Lola's dressing room and we see that Charlie is coming to slash recovering. Um, so such fun set changes again. Again. It's like it's like the best part of the, like the musical, and, and it's I think so that's seamless. It yeah. yeah, and I think it's just oh, we're very fortunate. This I don't know what the Broadway ones were, yeah. but this rendition that we saw on Broadway HD, this just it just really impressed me. Yeah, agreed. Um, and so as as Charlie's coming to, Lola's coming back, you know, she's she's changing, you know, changing her shoes and everything. He notices the heel that she broke, um, hitting him in the head. Um, and he's he's kind of inspecting it as, you know, in his professional cobbler opinion, he says, Um, this heel is not really designed to withstand a man's weight, you know, being aver- on average higher than a woman's. Um, and I love how and he, he's like pointing out all the different you know like issues issues with them because of material construction and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I love that 
as he's giving this list, she's still changing, getting to her next shoe. I love that he just whips out a shoehorn without saying anything and just like helps her get into her shoes. Just like, of it's course, he just has one on him. Like, of course. <laughs> um, it's just so, Lola is just such a fun character. And I do like the dichotomy of uh, Lola to Simon in confidence as well. And I think that's like a really cool characterization they do and i mm-hmm. think and a lot of times it's a realistic kind of you know characterization and i just when she was just introducing herself they call me lola because it's my name <laughs> <laughs> i love all of lola's little quips um so like as she's going uh you know she finishes changing he helps her he helps her with the shoe and everything um he's like learning a little bit more about her you know what she does and as she's getting ready to leave, you know, she's finally ready to go back out, you know, get back on stage. Um, she says, I've got to run now. There's a room full of people waiting to feel normal by comparison. Great. I just, oh, she's fantastic. And so then we, we get into a, re- a reprise of Land of Lola. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, Charlie's kind of on stage. Uh, the angels, I do think, are really great here. And we just kind of, you know, just really learn who Lola yes. is. But we get back to the factory, and because they're not making any money, mm-hmm. he's having to, like, lay people off, give, like, two weeks' notice to people, uh, because well, he, Chambers he canceled their contract. to lay people attempts off. Attempts to. <laughs> None of them really take him up on it. Was it Lauren he talks Lauren. to first? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. It was, it was Maggie talks to first. Lauren is the one who chews him out at the end. Mm, right, right, right. But it was the... <laughs> Uh, like uh, her mom always says, don't worry about today because today ain't tomorrow. Yep. And I don't, and I just I don't like, know how well that advice works out, but okay. Yeah, this factory does not understand <laughs> if they don't sell shoes, they don't have money. Correct. Until Lauren he comes says along. to Don, no, he yeah. says to Don, talks to Don, and it's like, Don's like, you can't fire me. I was like, what? Literally. He's, he's Don, like, Charlie, we've known each other our whole lives. I literally yeah. won't let you fire me. <laughs> Yeah, Don played by Sean Needham, and he... What a commitment to the voice he does. Yeah. Is that not uh, his normal voice? It is I very gravelly. Hope not. <laughs> you know you know what I kept thinking the whole time? He would Mr. make a fantastic Krabs. guest on. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's one got the build for it, but also like he he's very good at playing that sort of like toxically masculine bravado character. Yeah, because that's the character of Dawn. Yes. Um, yes. But then yes, we also see Lauren played by Natalie McQueen, who's been in a bunch of her theater credits include like she played young Eponine, uh, but she also played Eponine like later on in mm-hmm. Les Mis. Uh, 9 to 5, Pippin, Starlight Express. Uh, most recently, she was Blanche Barron, Bonnie and Clyde, and back Ooh. in like 2022. Oh, way Bye. back then. <laughs> but Lauren is such a fun Oh character. my, her comedic oh. chops and comedic timing, fantastic. Yes, and I think it's really interesting. This is where I noticed it at first. I don't know if this is more common now, but like a lot of actors microphones are like on their, on their forehead which at I haven't, first i didn't yeah. know what it was and then i realized it was a microphone and i was like oh that makes so much sense yeah yeah i just thought it was interesting yeah um and it made for for really good um sound capture as well yeah um yeah so so lauren uh 
when, when he attempts to fire her, she's like, you're being an idiot. Um, look at all these other shoe companies that aren't going under that are still operating just fine and look at what they're doing. So we have, she names off one shoe company who's like, what did they do? They saw that there wasn't a market for like all weather, um, like outdoor boots, like hiking boots and stuff like that. So what did they do? They made a shoe for it and now they're doing fine. You know, this other company like found there wasn't a market for sandals. So now that's all they make and they're doing fine. You know what they're not doing? Sitting up in their office saying, what do I do? And trying to find their know, employees. Do you, yeah, do you know who <laughs> didn't sit on his ass all day? Timothy Crocs himself. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, so then Charlie's like, oh, huh, maybe I should actually put some thought and like innovation and, and you know, business, you know, chops into this. Um, so he, he's inspired of what mm-hmm. he just experienced. And he was like, oh, we can make here's a niche market. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, but we also see some conflict. Uh, they have an appointment for wedding venues, him and Nicola. Yes. And he's just like, I got to work, babe. Yeah, like he he is starting to feel I think right now it's he feels it's more of an obligation still than like a passion um to to keep his his fathers and his four his forefathers um business afloat and not only afloat but thriving. Um and I think I, I talked a little bit earlier, I mentioned earlier that I really like his character arc over the course of the musical and part of that character arc is this connection to this to the shoe factory um, or the shoe company becoming less of purely an obligation and more of a passion for him and a true like interest project um and so at this point like you know he's kind of having the conversation with nicola of like you know i still want to get married with you i still in theory want to you know move to london and kind of leave this place behind but i can't let my father's company just fall by the wayside like i can't let all these people lose their jobs and let this area you know like this area in this community go downhill basically um and we get into charlie's soliloquy and um boys got big imposter syndrome um that that was my note (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i was like ooh, i hate seeing this on my day off (laughs) you know Um, i was like oh let's relax let's do something i enjoy and let's you know be blasted by this fucking bullshit yes and yeah he's very much do i belong here and he's like do you know what i'm going to have to do i'm just gonna have to pretend yeah yeah like am i what's wrong here uh do i know what i'm doing am i a fraud do i fit in um and so i pretend and i keep my head up like i know how this will end and as he's doing this he's kind of like you know just cutting out the leather and, and doing all that stuff to make the shoe um and we can see his face really light up Yes, we can see his face really light up uh, when he actually like pulls out the piece of leather and he's like, it's, it's a shoe. I, I did it. I made one. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but isn't, wasn't that the goal? I mean, congrats. Yeah, you did it. Congratulations, um, you did it. You did the thing you've been taught to do your whole but, life. But like, I do understand. But, but, you know. <laughs> he, like, but he did it on his own and he wanted to do it. That was the important thing. Yes, which I understand, but it was just funny of like, oh my God, I made a shoe. <laughs> No. no, and on that, we're going to make another drink real quick. We are going to make another drink. Burp. Burp. Cheers. Cheers indeed. <laughs> but this long as uh, listeners will not hear that conversation. Oh, nope. Had. They will only hear the cheers, and that is as it should be. So we come back. Clink, clink, clink. Hold on. Oh. I have a shot glass here so I can clink. Ooh. 
Okay. So we come back on step After the soliloquies, yeah. Yes, which which is a flawless transition from Charlie's soliloquy to step one. I, to the point, I was just like, wait, has the song started? But I like, didn't it, it was, it was a, they did rock and roll it up. Yeah, there was there was a transition, but there I was didn't a realize lift. it was a separate song until they got to the chorus, and he said, step one, and I was like, wait, isn't that the name of one of the songs? <laughs> and I had yeah, to go and back think, and review the transition. And I think, especially with this, I mean, it's a stage musical, so there's a lot of back-to-back-to-back different songs. But especially in Kinky Boots, there's just, there's a lot of music. Yes. Which I'm I'm a fan of, and I don't necessarily feel it's overwhelming, but it is, there are very quick transitions in some cases, and and a lot of music kind of packed in. Yeah. Um... So I so far when I was watching it at this point in the musical, this was my favorite song. Um, there was another song that surpassed that later that I'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I this, think it still I, remains I, my second point, favorite. At this point, this also was my favorite song. Yeah, it's very. It's it's a little more. It's still. Or sorry, it is also poppy in addition to like take what you got, but it's a little more punky, and I I really like the energy of it. Beating the odds, yes. going against the grain. Yes. So Sticking it's it to the like, man. You're not my it, real dad. So now that now that Charlie has this outline for the shoe that he's making for Lola, they're all working together. He's going to the different stations of the factory to add the different components. So he goes to Lauren to actually like round it out and make like the uh, kind of the, the sheath, I guess, of the shoe, the part that like actually goes, or the boot, um, actually goes over your calf and like the part that goes over your foot. Um, then he goes over to this other station, Man by Maggie, um, to actually get like the, the port, the shoe part that goes around your foot, like the hard part, the structure of it, yeah. um, to get that added on. And they're like, you see them building this boot in real time. Um, and it's really cool to see. I them. got knowledge and I got know-how. Yes. Um, and it's really cool to see them like working together as a team um, to kind of build this shoe and see Charlie sort of have that passion for the first time. Yes, and also sick key change. Uh, we've talked about it. it would be really fun to make a Spotify playlist mm-hmm. called Now That's a Key Change, and it would be like a drinking game. When the key changes, you like take a shot or like yeah. a drink or whatever, and you would start it and end it with Beyonce's love on top. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway uh cullen can hit every note in of that course song, he can so and he was the bass in our high school's barbershop quartet so because because how much more talent can you shove into uh, one individual shout out to cullen shout that out muppet to cullen. fiend <laughs> i do want to reach out to him because i think it'd be fun to get matching muppet tattoos i love that for you statler and waldorf is what was my vision also I'm going to post it on the Boozical's Instagram, like, story. The amazing record find. Miss Piggy's workout. Ooh. I sent you a Snapchat about it. You did. Um, I forgot about it until just I haven't now. played it yet, but I'm excited. Nice. Um... Look what yes, Charlie so, Boy has done. And so... So they build this shoe, Lola and then Lola comes. shows up, and she immediately is just like, do... So the shoe he made, she requested red. Red. He the color made burgundy. And his argument is that burgundy is a shade of red. And her argument is, please, God, don't let me... Don't tell me that I inspired something burgundy. This is disgusting. I like burgundy. I like I, like, burgundy understand too. it's... Burgundy is muted. 
Yes, but I love the deep because I, I love it's a good, I love a good I love, I love the gem blood. tone. I love a yes, I love it. I I think red like the red that she's thinking of to me is is too bright. It's too abrasive. It's very vermilion, you know. I'm much more. Of an but it's blood. unapologetic, and that's what she was going for. Which is fair, you know. It's the color of sex. And speaking of sex, we get into sex is in the heel, baby. Also, I love her like blue. Outfit. Oh, she looks fantastic in everything, but yes, this blue is fantastic. Yeah, and almost killed George when <laughs> she was sexing it up. And oh. Uh, oh, it's just to mention because we there's been other workers and things like that that have been here. Uh, we have George, who's played by uh, Annie Reed, um, who's been in Mamma Mia, Annie, Copacabana, Mary Poppins. We have Trish, who Trish confuses me. I thought Trish <laughs> likes Lola, but then we get to the boxing scene later. I was just like, "Are you homophobic now?" I was so very I don't confused. It was. I was like, "Do they just needed a, a woman to be like, I like toxic men?" Which, yikes. Uh, but so Trish is played by Anna Stoli, who's been in The King and I, Sleeping Beauty, uh, Little Women, different like theater credits and different companies yeah but someone who i would have loved to see that she's credited as in one of the productions of mama mia she plays rosie Ooh. which i feel like she would have killed that would be fun she probably did yeah. um and then uh richard bailey's played by jo- jonathan carlton uh pat's played by rosie glossop um i think that is the some just uh, the workers we've talked to. So yeah, far yeah, the like operators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we get into the song Sex is in the Heel, uh, where Lola's talking all about it is the heel that's most important. So Charlie, in building this boot, you know, he's thinking of what can best, you know, support a man, you know, what is comfortable, what is functional. And Lola's like, it's not about function, baby. It's about sexuality. And yes. I can confirm you feel a minimum 10 times sexier in a good heel. The higher the better. I've, uh, I've tried to wear heels once. Someone's just like, yeah, they really hurt. Let's put you in mine. And this person's like, we wear the same size shoe. And I was like, I like fully wear like two sizes more than her. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a size and a half under for her. She was like, what do you mean you can't fit in them? I was just like, this is like, I understand uncomfortable shoes. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. For like certain like looks and things like that, you're going to wear something like under, but overcorrected. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Work out. And the but of in the... this, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say in this song, the meter of the lyrics isn't intuitive, and I think it's real Agreed. fun. Agreed. Yeah, I thought I thought this uh, I thought this song had an interesting rhythm that kind of departed from. At least most of the other songs. It was very, it was very, because um, in these kinds of like disco, boogie, club related songs, Mm -hmm. there are, even though it's just, it may not seem like it, the bass, the the beat of it is very rhythmic. It's very repetitive. It's Mm -hmm. very the same. And I feel like the lyrics and the melody of the song was very spoken word. Yeah. in a way where it had a cadence of its own independent from like the background music and i think yeah. that ju- it made the song really compelling it made you really want to listen in more mm-hmm. 
The thing I still don't quite understand, mm-hmm. what exactly is an ism? Because I presume they're not talking about like you know, racism, let's... sexism, that stuff. They're, but they keep saying stilettos are an ism. From London to Milan, stilettos are an ism in red and neon life. New York, Paris, Hong Kong, live it like an ism. Seduction amplified. Wh- what? What does that mean? Um, so let's look it up. Uh, ism is a suffix in many English words. Originally mm-hmm. derived from the ancient Greek suffix ismos. And reaching English through the Latin ismus and the French isme. It means taking side with or imitation of. And it's often used to describe philosophies, theories, religions, social movements, artistic movements, and behaviors. Interesting. Like Catholicism. So, stilettos, so stilettos are their own movement, their own yes. movement, if you will. Okay, I can get behind that. I can get I'm behind, behind that. that as well. Mostly because I, do- I have three pairs of stilettos myself and I love them. Um, I do like the angels' performance in this um, in this piece. Um, yes, there it's very it's very dynamic, and we see them especially towards the end marching around. Like they keep talking about all these uh, big designer, like big fashion places: London, Milan, New York, Paris, Hong Kong. Um, Crocs. <laughs> and we see them carrying um, all these different posters of design, of sketches, of, of boot designs. You Matching know, to, the color scheme of their shoes. Of their shoes, which is really, really cool. Um, they're mostly wearing pumps. Um, and we get to see, like, it's basically showing Charlie, like, hey, this is what we say when we want a heeled boot. We don't mean your standard, like, a riding boot in burgundy with a one-inch, you know, functional hill or pragmatic yeah. heel like we no, want you don't want no biscuit hill we want fashion <laughs> we want stilettos we want fashion. a moment <laughs> you know and uh in this song it's also fun because pat she breaks it down for us Indeed. scientifically mm-hmm. and it's fun and then um and so and they even talk about like how are we going to make these able to withstand a man's weight because like stilettos are you know uh naturally or inherently precarious to stand upon they are known for breaking especially you know if you don't walk on them correctly or they're not you know good for your particular body type or something um so they talk about like oh we can mold the heel from steel um and use a one yeah our man george was just like you know what i think i can do it and i think his because his verse is very like sea shanty eastern european kind of like uh what's the what's the instrument um um oh fuck uh kind of like the uh kind of like a hurdy-gurdy uh uh something or a walking organ or a traveler's organ or whatever i know what you're talking about what am i talking about we're gonna figure it out we're gonna take the time for this here here. um that like you would have like a monkey dancing with (laughs) yes is it not traveler's uh, it's organ? Called, uh, a street organ. I, a street organ. Yeah, a street organ. Yeah, very, very that is the stylistic music choice. Which or an is organ very grinder. Di- Common with capuchin monkeys, where the, where the monkey that would travel around with it a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Fun. Um, have you seen the newest Pinocchio? I have not, but I saw a review of it that made me not want to watch it. What was the review? Um, it, it was just, I watch, I watch YouTuber, like, essays. it's a musical. Movie reviews a lot. Yeah, I just, I mean, I didn't watch it. I just, the review was not 
totally positive. I think I wanna. I think I'm gonna do it for the podcast. I'd be. I mean, I'd, I'd be open to that. Cause it's like creepy, and one of the songs is so good. Okay, I'm your friend. Um. Yeah, it's just a creepy little wooden boy. Anyway, um. <laughs> but they're like, boy. we can do it. Um. But they need Lola to stay as a designer. Oh, and as the designer, because he's like, I do and not have the designing chops to make. To, to Charlie is like, like pleading with her because he's never been passionate about anything, yes. which is like you fully are in our fianced, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> our fianced um, as one would say. Yes, you would say that, and <laughs> he would need Lola to be there for three we- weeks in this rural ass town, town, mm-hmm. which, and. Lola's at this point they're like oh yeah I was like you just want me to make these like kinky boots and I was like ah let's roll credits ah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we hear the theme song again um kind of talking about when the, everything is like kind of like working together because Lola was just yeah. like you know what me a designer of course I'm going to do this and I before this you really see Charlie put it in the work yeah. and I was like really disappointed that like this this company the all the employees seem like very close this is a small town this is what they do this is what they've always been doing yeah so they like really care about it I was like why why aren't they like hey we see you're working hard they didn't like appreciate him which I like really didn't like until this Fair. moment where they're they like called him like Mr. Price and they're like no 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 you've earned it you're yeah. trying to save it and I like really really appreciate that and I think it's because they they saw that this is the beginning of, of his transition like you say he's finally feeling passionate this is the beginning of his transition of like really taking ownership and taking over this factory in a meaningful way um and i do think part of the reaction to him before was because like he had never really shown interest in owning this factory and uh and especially given that their livelihoods are literally in his hands i can't kind of understand their previous reactions to him but i do like that we start to see their attitudes changing um and so he gets Lola to stay on as the designer. Um, the, he asking her to stay on for three weeks, um, leading up to a major shoe fashion show in Milan. It's like a shoe expo um, happening in Milan in a few weeks, and they want to gear up to kind of premiere their shoes at that event because it'll be you know such a large audience. It'll be like it's the in for fashion and shoes, um, and this will kind of get them back on the map. Um, yeah. And, and part of this, he does recognize Lauren's efforts in this and inspiration. Yes, and it was like, hey, her. promoted. It was like, hey, I really appreciate you. Yeah. Keep working hard. You deserve this. And, and then we get into the song. <laughs> Lauren immediately is like, I'm going to fuck my boss. I'm in love with you. <laughs> the History of Wrong, of guys, wrong guys is an amazing song <laughs> that there have been many people cast as Lauren. Yeah. But Natalie McQueen crushes it what you do here made me fall in love with you yes she was so funny during this and i think this this song in particular is really i mean cindy lopper wrote like all these songs Mm -hmm. but this is like the most cindy Cindy lopper song song. which i was like i was like write what you know (laughs) yeah it it really it really felt just so so good very 80s very fun and she was like i think i like him 
a lot of making out with the air. She gets promotion yes. uh, promoted. I love she's when like, she's yeah. like like blowing her hair back with the uh, the air compressor. <laughs> with the air compressor, oh the compressed air, it's so funny. Air, and she's yeah. like, and she was like, no, I have a I have a history with like like this not working out been here before and he was like it's so funny because she's and saying she's falling in love with him but at the same time is still being so mean to him it's like <laughs> you're not paint drying yeah you're not beige but a person it's <laughs> it's there's something more to you yeah and then we see like nicola arrives Oh my gosh, um, and, and like, her Lauren, like, Yeah, and then, then we get the compressed air. It's very, like, 80s glam rock, yes. which I love. And then we get into kind of, like, the, like, a history book of her love life. Chapter one, he's a bum. Chapter two, he's not into you. Three, he's a sleaze. Four, loves the girl next door. Five, loves the boy next door. Ooh. Six, don't love you no more. I was just and then, like, and oh. seven has a girlfriend named Nicola, which is Charlie. <laughs> yeah, makes you insecure, makes you unsure, is so immature, loves his mother more, or has a girlfriend named Nicola. I was like, oh, look at you, like, recognizing he's in a relationship, but refuses to say they're engaged. I was like, oh, that kind of pettiness, I could get behind. Yeah, I respect it. I respect it a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, and so... We, we get past we get past this song. Um, we see them gearing up for... The bullies... A day of production. Um, Lola shows up. Well, the bullies are like, it was like, oh man, I can't believe we're fucking doing oh, this yes. shit. <laughs> and George like shuts them up. I was just like, oh, yeah. interesting. You want to be here? You want to work? You want to keep getting paid? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I'm like, hell you got a job, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And then we hear the intro music for like Lola's for Lola. land. Yeah. The land of Lola, whatever it's called. Yes. Uh, land of the Lola, land of the lost, whatever. And we <laughs> see, yeah, and then we, here comes Lola out of drag. Yes. Presenting as Simon. Mm-hmm. And then Don is just being Wearing a, a, a solid three-piece suit, to be fair. Looks great. Looks great. Looks great. Um, and so Don and all of his shithead posse are heckling her, basically, um, I'm not sure if it would be most appropriate to use he, him pronouns when she's not in drag. I don't know, but we, we could keep referring to her as she. Because she does introduce herself. You can herself. also just say the name. I mean, yeah, but pronouns are useful. Okay. Um, yeah. But Simon, um, so, yeah, Simon Simon comes in, um, kind of is getting heckle, heckled by Don and everything. Um, so he runs over to the bathrooms and, and locks himself in there. Um, yeah. And, and then the, the immediate scene change to the bathroom kind of turning around, like the like main office. I was just like, has that been there the whole time? I thought These that was scene so changes. cool. Like, it, they're, they're just so seamlessly done. Like, mad props to the stage tech, like the stage, stage techs <laughs> and the stage <laughs> No pun crew. intended. <laughs> Lulz. Um, mad props. <laughs> the, the set design just is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charlie finds uh, Charlie finds her hiding in the bathroom, and, and like trying to, f- it's like trying to fit in, um, and then they just like try to get to know each other more. Did you always want to perform? We found out that Lola's dad, who we did see in the beginning, um, Simon Senior, played by Robert Groves. Um, who's also been in the Sandman, EastEnders, and a bunch of other different things, but was a professional boxer. 
Yes, and taught her how to box professionally. Yes. Yeah, and, and um, apparently she has a dozen fights to her name. Yeah, and then yeah. was disowned. But then Lola does say that her dad died of lung cancer. Yeah. Uh, and like, no. Well, no, okay. no, no. That's what Lola says here. Oh, uh, fair. Yes. Because yes. he says the phrase, "Fags got him in the end." Yeah. Which is funny. Which is funny. And um, it's just and we, very funny. <laughs> and we get into the song, Not My Father's Son. Fuck. And this is my favorite song. Just, I knew it was. Uh, it's so, one, it's so emotional. It's so raw a little bit. But also just, just the actual music, like the melody is very, um, it, it's very soft, but very uh, hard hitting at the same and time. And the instrumentation is very simple. In the beginning, yes. it's literally just the piano. And at mm-hmm. like its climax... I don't know if that's, like, the right term to use, but there is, like, a little bit of a drum kit, a little bit of guitar, like, in the mm-hmm. rising exposition of this song. Again, these are not <laughs> musical. These are literary terms. Musical climax but... is a thing. Rising exposition is not. <laughs> rising exposition. The rising exposition of, uh, <laughs> not my father's son, um, but sound. It is, you know, the drum kit, the guitar is introduced. It's very intimate. It's very, yes. uh, it's you're able to like focus more to like connect more with the yeah. lyrics that are being said. I'm someone that always listens to instrumentation and like the uh, melody first lyric second, which is and very I, opposite than a lot of people. And it's but opposite me. I listen to, I didn't have a choice, first, but so that I, pulled me in more. That's fair. And the thing that I, so I listened to the lyrics first and the thing that I found that I really liked about the song specifically the, the, the way the lyrics are constructed, um, sorry, let me just actually pull them up here, because uh, there's like one or two that I want to reference. So, um, yes, okay, so, I'm not my father's son, I'm not the image of what he dreamed of, with the strength of Sparta and the patience of Job. Still couldn't be the one to echo what he'd done and and mirror what was not in me. And so I jumped in my dreams and found an escape. And I really, the thing that I really like about this song is that it is very touching and it's very raw and, and like you said, intimate in terms of our look into um, Lola's past as Simon, her childhood growing up with her father. Um, And it's, it's touching because you see um what she kind of lost in that relationship uh because she didn't have his acceptance um but it doesn't it doesn't feel necessarily sad or longing to me because because she's accepting of who she is and she loves who she is and she uh accepts that while while I am not my father's son while I am not the image of what he wanted me to be I am who I am meant to be, and I am. Yeah, I am, and originally she says it. all I wanted to do was to be him, and had to repress herself to try mm. to be that. I think this song and this performance is like e- you can like equal amounts of pride and hurt. Yeah. And I think uh, some yeah wearing high heels, uh, the air seems lighter up there. I think is really great and the vocal quiver that matt henry uh Uh, employs oh my gosh during this is just like the vocal performance is yeah top notch and then 
Charlie kind of like you know joins Joy-Z. in, yeah. and they like re- reach common connections, and I think it's just Killian Donnelly has such an incredible voice. Mm. I think it's very, what's the word? Is understated, maybe? I, I could I could get behind that because it his voice surprises you sometimes with how good it is. If yeah. that makes sense, yeah. And, but in a not as an insult. <laughs> yeah, not not in that you don't think he's very good, but like you know, you hear him start off, and like sometimes it's like at the beginning his voice could seem average, but then he hits a note or he goes on a run, and you're just like, oh wow. You I like know? I see why you were the fan. I see why you're here. Yeah. No. Um, and, and the, the, thing, the oh, harmonies are just like fantastic. very yeah. It's yeah. just and, um, very because sometimes when you have a certain harmony in duets, it's. Sometimes it's just like, oh, two people singing like different notes, mm-hmm. but then sometimes uh, the strength of like the voices uh, makes it more uh, like instead of additive, multiplicative. Kind of in the way, if any of you listeners have listened to Tony Bennett and Amy Winehouse's duet mm. Body and Soul particularly in the ending kind of notes when they have a certain harmonies and they like meld so seamlessly uh they actually create overtones and overtones being like you hear notes way higher than once they're actually played or sung just how the frequencies like are are like are mixing together i think similarly here that these harmonies aren't just two notes being sung at the same time it's like it's like when kelly Rowland like adds her voice uh, to yes, justin child Destiny's i was child. like it's a full and it's a full choir a full now choir? Oh, yeah exactly gosh. exactly and i it's that kind of thing here yeah. and i just think that's just such a tent- testament to these two performers and and the thing that i really like about when uh when Charlie adds his voice into the song, the dichotomy in what the lyrics mean to, to each of them, because mm-hmm. a, again, um, Lola is talking about how she can't measure up to the expect. Like they're both singing about how they didn't measure up to the expectations of their father. They weren't the image of what their father dreamed they could be. But Lola's journey is one of accepting that she doesn't have to be that and that she is amazing as she is and she's allowed to be who she is. And Charlie's is more about accepting that he can be his own version of his father's expectations of him. Um, That like he, he can put his own passion and um, take over this, this shoe factory in a, in a way that he was originally projecting, but he doesn't literally have to be his father. He's allowed to make different decisions. He's allowed to take it in a different path than what his father would have chosen. Um, and kind of overcoming that imposter syndrome that, that really both of them have, but in different angles. Yeah. For both of them, it's very much, I'm not, I can't live being who you want to me to be. I I got to find myself and I'm going to do that as best as I can. Um, for Lola it's definitely more at odds with what uh, Lola's father wanted uh, but it was like a little bit more in line with uh, Charlie yeah yeah Um, so So we introduced to Simon from Clacton yes um, but then we see Richard Bailey boss of Nicola Mm -hmm. um, 
this is the part I really have a problem with her. I was really upset when Nicola had this. Yeah, because so she is works for this real estate firm and her mm-hmm. boss. The, apparently, the, the firm that Charlie would have gone to work for if he hadn't yes. come back to take over his father's company. Yes, apparently his father like weren't lay people off, but was in deals to sell the factory and to turn make into like apartments. yeah to make it into a, apartments. So it was just like, hey, no, you say just listen to him now. I've been having full conversation and deals about your father who recently passed Mm -hmm. and that he didn't believe in you and he had ulterior motives and did not share it with you. I've been working to follow that through so we can both be done with this without talking to you about it. Yes, and his father came to her. His father came to her while he was still alive, told her this entire plan, got her well, fully I thought, on board with it. I thought he told her boss, and her boss let her know later. I didn't oh, think he I, went I to thought, I thought she said, my, my interpretation... Because she didn't have a job own. yet, because they were moving there. That's fair. I, I, what I had understood her to say, I could have been, I could have interpreted this wrong. But what I had understood her to say was that the father had told her about these plans, uh, kind of to, to pre-prime, you know, because he didn't think Charlie would go for it. He didn't want Charlie to think that he didn't believe in him. So he was like, "Oh, I'm going to run this by you, kind of like you in on what's going to happen." Mm. But then he was physically making the plans with the boss. But he oh. just told Nicola about what was happening. That sucks even more then because I was like, hey, your dad came to me in private about this. Either way, Nicola has been a part of this development. Like they, they came, they came with like plans and like a marketing mm-hmm. strategy and everything. She is never willing to believe he can like do this. It was yeah. always just like, why are you doing this? Obviously, you can't, right? That's what we all think. Yeah. I was just like, way to not believe in him. Like, and and also she doesn't seem very accepting of like of the fact that his perspective on this factory is changing he now is developing this passion for this and like even from the beginning didn't necessarily want to fire everyone but thought that was his only choice and ideally wants to save the factory and she doesn't seem supportive of that goal in general regardless of how it's executed and he's literally asking her it's like hey believe in me like we're like working on this like with lola and stuff and then she says ridiculously is like oh are you in love are you have you been sleeping with lola yeah. I'd be like, oh my god, one well, like she's <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It sucked. I was like, who? What? I was like, ugh. I was so bothered by this scene. Yeah, I like Nicola really took a dive uh, in, in uh, esteem in my eyes in this scene, um, and so he basically turns them down and says, absolutely not. Um, that is not the path that I want to go uh, with this. And I'm actually very upset that my father had agreed to this before he died, didn't even think um, that I could manage to do this. So he's like, I'm absolutely not going to sell. Um, and they managed to get, you know, now that they've had Lola's input and, and revisions and notes and stuff, they managed to get their first actual pair of kinky boots off the line. Another thing that I have a problem with, sorry oh, go for like going back, but you're, you're good. It's, very, dead. It, it's very much, it's not only, it's like, oh, this is a passion of mine now, I want to do this, but it's also like, it's not a, about like, our friends and family in our small communities, livelihoods are like based, based on this. this. I'm not going to sell them out. It's like, yeah. what about them? And she was like, I don't give a fuck about them. Yeah. We can even... Because she wants to, like, move to London. Yeah. 
But also she says that we can get like a luxury loft for three in this deal. I was like, so you want to live here now? So you want or do you live want to live here now? Yeah. It's just like, it just didn't make sense to me unless there's just to be like, oh, to come home, we have like an extra home or whatever. Yeah. And she was like, hey, I'm in the works of selling your family's business. Which, uh, yeah. That and, you're working, and... that like, I have a problem how much I haven't seen you because you're putting so much work into this. So why don't I sell it? Sell it, it from under you. From under you. Yeah. And everything's good now. Yeah. And and again, like, going back to both of our factory experience, like, we've worked in factories where a lot of the personnel um, or a lot of the employee base are, like, local individuals in the community. Like, I work with a lot of you. And then we can get into are, environmental racism with that. You uh, build manufacturing yes. plants in places where... Uh, you don't you don't build manufacturing plants apparently where there's affluent people because yes. you don't want the side effects from the manufacturing plants ex- like like pollution pollution and like affecting those lives. But you also want to the people who build these want to build them in areas where they get the land cheap and they have local cheaper labor, labor that most notably is from marginalized communities, marginalized communities and impoverished communities, which are yeah. often one of the same. Um, and yeah, and, and so, Ugh, like, I, I hate manufacturing so like bad. Like, I work now. When you go to vet school, Raven? We, have, we have generations or relatives of people like working at my company. And like, I can understand the perspective that Charlie has on this company and, and the impact yeah. they would have on the community. Um, and it feels very heartless. So they go back and they say, fuck that. We just made our first pair of kinky boots. We're saving this company. This is the last thing we do. And we get into everybody say, yeah, which is just a celebration of this first pair of kinky boots to come off the line. Kind of the first the symbol kinky of revolution. Like, this could actually work. We could actually save the company with this. And I was like, you know what, Charlie, throw it back. <laughs> oh, he was going in. He was living his best life during the song. Yeah. I loved it. This I was, was like, like, I love confidence in your sexuali- sexuality. He And he really displays it. Like, he's, um, especially at the end when he's, like, wearing the boots and everything. Oh, after being horribly bigoted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, the he angels are, <laughs> the angles are here. And, like, they're, like, the choreography on the... Conveyor belts. Conveyor belts, belts the very treadmills. It's like very like okay go music video. Here yeah. we go again. And, and I love I when Charlie that. and Lola are dancing back and forth on them. That's so well yeah. choreographed. It really is. But there's so many. Um, oh, this is why I was, I was supposed to look up, but I didn't. Um, I had to. Um, if this was in America, I don't know what the UK version of OSHA is, but there's so many violations. Oh, going so on many. Right now. Countless. <laughs> what is OSHA equivalent in the UK? The Health and Safety Executive, HSE, is Britain's national regular for workplace health and safety. It prevents work related death, injury, and ill health. Someone make an anonymous report. I mean, I was <laughs> bothered. I, I like. Usually when I watch a movie, especially like action movies, I turn my brain off. I'm like, I'm not trying to talk about the physics of this. I'm not trying to talk about plot. I saw Pacific Rim because I wanted to see giant robots fight giant monsters. And guess what? I got my money's worth. (laughs) No. But sometimes with musicals, (laughs) I can't separate, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'd just be like, you know, we're just having fun. It's just camp. It's just great. <laughs> um, 
Um, I, I'm just, I, my first thought was just like, Osha would be so disappointed. Um, I do, I do think this is movies. a solid, um, like end of act one musical, like big musical number. Um, yeah. It definitely Everybody hits, say like, yeah. the high notes. Yeah. yeah. It's that big group, com- like that big company number. We're um, all in this together, right? really well. Oh my lord. Um, so with that, uh, we've reached the end of act one and our halfway point for the episode so we're going to take a quick break and do our ad reads and we will come back with act two burp Campbell, do you remember being back in like third grade and having like music class and learning to play the recorder and like hot cross buns fun fact so you know i know a lot of wind instruments i physically was Mm -hmm. not able to play the recorder my teacher told me just to stand there at the concert but yeah i'm familiar with the concept (laughs) that's so that's so that's so sad it's okay i can play bassoon i've gotten over it i don't feel bad about it that's fair i suppose okay well we'll we'll move on put a pin in that Um, put, put a pin in that boop um so unfortunately enough uh there are students all across the country that have never before had a general music education class and don't have the ability or the opportunity to access music education um, and get the chance to learn tons of different wind instruments um, or even just the recorder. And that's why we are partnering with Education Through Music, which is an organization that partners with low-income schools in New York City to provide students better access to music education. Also, 53% of New York City schools do not have a music teacher on faculty full-time. So, Education Through Music also provides weekly music education by putting qualified music teachers into these schools. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons this is so important is because motivation for learning means motivation for staying in school. And a lot of the students that are able to be involved in these music programs report that they have uh, attended school when they otherwise would have skipped um, or like stayed in school when they otherwise like wouldn't have wanted to stay specifically because they were looking forward to music class or they were looking forward to ensemble um, and, and getting to learn uh, specifically about music. And you can support and learn more at p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. That's p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. Nailed out. Do you have an instrument that you've neglected and now it hates you? Do you have too much money and think, hey, this can go to a good place? Neither applies to me, but I want to talk to you about the Dodario Foundation. They believe in the transformative power of music and that mentoring and building communities through music can positively affect social change. 100% of every dollar raised goes directly to support efforts to get kids involved in community music programs, acquire and maintain instruments, provide college scholarships, and support new innovation in music education. You can learn more and donate at www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. That's www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. Hey there, listeners. Pop quiz. Who was your favorite teacher in school? Did it happen to be someone who inspired a movie? Did that movie later change the world? Because that's exactly what happened with Mr. Holland's opus, the story of the profound effect a dedicated music teacher had on generations of students. The composer for the film, Michael Kamen, later started the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation in 1996 as his commitment to the future of music education. 
Today, the Foundation works with schools nationwide to audit their music education programs, supply quality instruments, train teachers on basic instrument repair, and even offer customized consulting to make sure the school's program fits their students' needs. The impact of this foundation now ensures that hundreds of thousands of kids across the country are granted access to learn and play music in school, keeping music education alive and well. If you're interested in supporting their mission, you can donate online, over the phone, or even while you shop Amazon or eBay. Visit mhopus.org donate to learn more. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, love that dark It's just such a pretty color. Mm-hmm. This is exactly why I picked this drink for this Ooh. musical. And the word I've been trying to think this entire episode with the orange peel, you express it. Yes, expressing the oils. Not the twist peel. and shout. <laughs> you do twist it. You, the shouting is optional. And I scream constantly. Love that for you. So we come back into act two. Act um, two. And we come with the entre act, which I think just means the literally entering the act, um, which is a little kind of like musical, not interlude, but sort of bridge into it, I guess. Um, and then we go into well, a, a, no, that's incidental music. Ooh, cheers. Cheers. And that is melded into um, a reprise, reprise of the Prince and Son theme. Reprise. Yeah, and so they're changing the sign. Um, they're adding the boots. A kinky boot. Oh. A singular she said kinky it. boot. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. She said it. <laughs> um, Don tries to kind of come at Lola, um, and he like knocks some fabric out of her hand. What? I was also going to say in the Price and Son reprieve, they also there's a change to the lyrics. Because it ends with kick some ass. And yes. that's not very practical and pragmatic. And pragmatical. Yeah. Um, so we love that addition. Um, but Don is kind of like harassing Lola a little bit. He like knocks some like fabrics out of her hand. Like just kind of, you know, bullying a little bit, teasing her. Yeah. Um, and I love her line. What can I do that will allow you to go on about your life undistracted by my sharing the planet? And that is... That's that's all it is. I'm just here. I'm just existing. I'm just living Raven. my life. Why is Raven. that such an issue for you? Raven. <laughs> like, girl, So yes. many times I have felt in my heart of hearts that exact <laughs> phrase, but never been able to put the words to. I'm exactly. just like, I'm just fucking living my life. I'm just fucking here, dude. Like, <laughs> why, why are you so threatened by my existence? My sheer existence. When I have... When, you i it's like the quote you know how i love to quote scrubs and i can Mm -hmm. and i i've not shared that with alex yet but if we watch scrubs i will recite the whole thing and it's something the character jordan says Mm -hmm. um which comes from the actor that plays her something that she says in real life that the meanest thing that you can say to someone isn't not it's not i don't like you i hate you I nothing you. Mm-hmm. Your existence means nothing to me. These people, I nothing. Campbell. Think they have something to say. Honestly. And it's if just... they didn't exist, my life is unchanged. If not better. If not better. Mm-hmm. But that's a compliment to them. That's a compliment to them. And... 
It's it's really that like the, the thing that's even more ironic about the situation is that Lola is at it's least like Lola is at least half of the reason you even still have a job. Yeah. At least half. And Lola's <laughs> like, well, at least I get attention from the ladies. And he's like, what are you talking about? You don't even like women. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't you get, don't got get this completely wrong. I love women. I yeah. worship women. I embody the spirit of women and appreciate and respect. And he's like, a woman wants like a manly a man. man. Who, She's like, what is a, a real man, man who wears his hats like on like the tippy top of their head? <laughs> and <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's like, I'm a real man. I don't wash my ass. So we get into the song, What a Woman Wants. And we're talking about kind like of... Christina Aguilera. The... <laughs> True. Um... And, and I love that we're comparing, like, this sort of toxic masculinity approach of, like, oh, the man has to be, you yeah. know, the, the, the strong guy, the tough the guy, aggressor. not your emotion, the aggressor. <laughs> the predator. Uh, yeah, and everything about masculinity is around, like, sex and strength and sort of brutality. Um, versus, Which is like, an unfair standard that a lot of men feel like they have to undertake when they don't yes. want to. Yes. Not saying you don't and, have agency and choices in your life to not do that, but, like, I do recognize that societal implication is, you know, And just fair. real quick, because, and just real quick, because I keep using the term, for any listeners that may not be aware, the term toxic masculinity is not saying that masculinity as a trait is inherently toxic. It is saying that the performance of masculinity that men are expected to do in society is toxic to men. Um, as in that that need for bravado, that need to always so show strength, that need to not show emotion, to not be compassionate and tender and loving um, and empathetic, which are the traits that the women in this song are telling Don and Lola, this is what we want in our, in our partners, in our men, in our relationships. And even Lola points out, hmm, those are traditionally uh, considered feminine traits, aren't they? And yes, they are. But this is the song I was really excited to talk about because this is like very like salsa Latin influence related yes. song. But in well, the tango. beginning, tango, but in yeah. the beginning, it's very fugue-like because yes. like with the, the harpsichord or piano or organ in the beginning, but it's also very vampiric. Mm-hmm. Which then I was like making connections, you know, that like one meme with uh, what's her name with all the numbers and symbols yeah, yeah, yeah. and pythagoras i was just like are vampires hispanic oh <laughs> i was just like <laughs> i was just like but then like the influence of certain music styles and so yes. many different genres uh, so, so we have tango which has or well because all these like more modernized culturally influenced yeah music styles do have different bases in cl classical music. And yes. so you see where, like, it's a kind of idea, like, you know how evolutionary every everything becomes crabs. <laughs> yes. Listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is yeah, a real yeah, thing. Lo look it up. Everything wants to be a crab. That, that's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact of like, a crab. <laughs> snip, 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 snip. Um, and it's... <laughs> and so funny um so like kind of like that way um everyone wants like 
I always think everything like wants to be a little hot and spooky is how yeah. I see that musically. Because yes. you have like this kind of like vampiric Dracula Nosferatu Ooh, playing Dracula. at the organ, like fan of the opera, which has those Very influences that is tied to uh, tango and then you have the perfect melding of the two which is the Adams family and <laughs> it's just really interesting how these completely different music tastes have similar uh, a common ancestor that yeah. you can still see like their origin currently and so in yeah. what a woman wants that's like I was like ooh why are we getting a little spooky with this why are we getting a little fugue a fugue like state and then it's like very like back and forth tango kind of very passionate but like still with that origin i just like i don't know that's where my mind went to when i heard this song yeah and and because uh tango like the tango and the fugue are the tango maureen (laughs) yes oh great song um great performance (laughs) this this girl this woman sucks (laughs) that song the tango as a dance and uh, fugue style music is very much associated with passion, like you were saying, and like um, it's commonly used in these these sorts of scenes where any sort of discussion of like sex or the sexes, um, relationships, intimacy, that sort of thing, um, or kind of going on like in Phantom of the Opera when the Phantom was trying to get uh, the girl. I can't remember her name off, off the top of my head. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love the fact that this is the tango. It's not Christine, I love... is it? It is Christine. You are correct. Thank you. Oh, fun um, fact, listeners. I have never seen Phantom of the Opera, but I know all the music. That's so funny. Um, and so and so, I love that we, we see Lola's relationship uh, with these women and how she's actually able to have a deeper relationship with them um, because of how she interacts with them um, and this relationship she has with her own femininity um, and, and, and being I... able to tap into that. I think it's also really cool that the women that work at this factory, uh, Price and Sons, they have their own different, like, related kind of interludes. Yeah. Uh, Trish, I like to bite. I was like, you know what? I don't think this is necessarily an appropriate setting <laughs> and to they talk both about look these at her things. Just like, oh, well, okay. like, we are in the workplace, but uh, that's also made me <laughs> think of, like, this. how vampiric the song was I was like, yeah, I feel like a lot of this can constitute sexual harassment. <laughs> so then Lola and Don are like going back and forth and everything, and she's like, "Fine." They almost why say don't... cock. <laughs> yes. Why don't we? Why don't we do this? She says, "You write down what you think a person needs to do to be a real man, and I write down what I think a person needs to do to be a real man, and we each have to do what the other person wrote down." So, which I think is a really cool idea and a really cool I exercise. think it's a cool idea, but at this point, I did write down, it's like, are they actually working? Because, like, did they spend three weeks There's... making one pair of boots? Yeah, I was real surprised when they had that entire stock of boots by the end. I was like, when did y'all have time to make those? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like you know, everyone's just... And so, for Don... He it's, wanted to be in a boxing match mm-hmm. with Lola. Which, ooh, his, uh... He does not have... No, because Lauren let like Lauren Charlie talking about. I was like, no, 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 no. This is such a bad idea. I was like, no, no, no. Lola will be fine. Like, she's like Lola's sure... not who I'm worried about. She's like, no, you don't understand. Lola's Professionally trained, trained boxer. boxer. Okay, so in this corner, the staging incredible. In this corner. 
incredible. So this boxing match. Um, so also gold lame gown. Absolutely, oh my I'm here for. Here for um, it. And this is the part where Trish is on Don's side. And it's just like, yeah. It felt Fuck weird. this. <laughs> I was just like, Gay ass why? Person. Wait, wasn't it? Wait, was it Trish or was it Maggie? That was it was dogs. Trish. Okay, okay. I, I think I kept The one who likes up. to bite. Yes, um, and, and I was it, just it like, felt wait, weird, no, I up thought to that point she had been interacting very well with Lola. Yeah, I was just like, are you trying to fuck Dawn? Is that what this is? This a power move? I think they just wanted to have one of the women like to to show that like, oh, it's not just the men that hold these attitudes. Trish was the diversity hire. <laughs> but it felt weird that it was Trish because we had already seen if it felt that she, we'd already seen her interact yeah. well with and be respectful towards Lola. You know. Yeah. It was um, just weird. And then we have one of the angels as like the referee. It was giving very Thorgy Thor. Oh, with those, and her vocal performance. <laughs> with I was, those, I was with a those big locks. Fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're in the song in this, in this corner. corner. This is a boxing match between Lola and Don. Lola is fucking Don. The choreography, the slow mo. Is yeah, so I love good. that they did it in slow mo. But also the angels that are like. When they like do a flip and then they use their legs to like represent a corner and holding the oh like ropes back. I was like, and they did it in different positions. So we yes. have like different dimensions. I was just like, this, this is so, so cool. This is so, so cool. So choreographed. Oh my gosh. And just like the, the, the again, staging the is just so much fun. The spectacle of the scene, the fight, the way they show like Lola's punches and everything like that. Um, she did let Don get off a lucky shot at the end. Um, and, she clearly yeah. won the first round, but then like kind of pretended to kind of get knocked out at the end. Let him get that lucky shot in, and he even knew it. Like he said later, like why'd you let me win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah, I was like, oh my god, did Don actually win? This bullshit. I was and so then mad. We, and then we go to the bar. <laughs> And then there's like Charlie and Lola. They're like talking, having drinks. And then Don comes up. It's like, what do you? There's like, I heard you like vodka. Let's take a shot of vodka, whatever. And yeah. he's like, Why'd you let me win? I was just, and he and Lola's just like, basically, it seemed more important to you. And I yeah. didn't want you to feel disrespected because that's not how I want to feel. And then we find out instead of like lola's part of this challenge it wasn't like get in drag wear a dress it was accept someone for who they are which i was which just I like really appreciated motherfucker <laughs> it, it was very much that i'm not mad i'm just disappointed like it, it hit because it was so real you know it's like yeah. it's like but that's that's a real thing you know like it's like uh, i'm going to talk about this later but a big message of this musical is just allyship and tolerance and acceptance and i really really love that they made this a part of especially don's character arc and we see we see um despite the the voice he chooses to do throughout yes. uh, but one of these because it's to, bad <laughs> one of the things i wanted to i wanted to bring up i think and i think this bit introduces it but the idea of don and charlie sort of as foils where they have somewhat similar character arcs but they have different starting places along those arcs and this um this challenge of accept someone for who they truly are really like it forces dawn to kind of go on that journey of like tolerance and acceptance and allyship that's self-discovery um, 
yeah, a journey that Charlie is kind of already on. He's a little further ahead, but he still has a lot of work to do as well. And we and I find love out the, the immediately after that. this scene. Immediately after this. When we um, find out that Milan will cost more than expected, and Lauren is like, you know what, I fucked up. I didn't account for, like, these certain things. You shouldn't have made me executive. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 shut, the, shut up. It was like, we'll figure this out. Yeah. Um, and then we find out that, like, Lola has an idea. It's like, let's use the angels for the fashion show. We can do our own makeup. Like, yeah, we really we don't, don't have to we, pay yeah, them. Yeah, we can save money on hair Because they're like, they can, they can use an actual, like, fashion runway. That's, yes. like, what they're going to be jazzed about. And also, they are the niche market we're trying to sell these to. Exactly. So why not use them to showcase the product? But Charlie was like, no, we're going to use professional models. We're going to be selling to women because we, do, we don't want to be Charlie's a laughing on, stock of the industry. Charlie wants like, to I, make this up to snuff. He wants to, like, meet, kind of, like, like be... Be apropos in Milan. You know, he wants yeah. to be and, up there with all the other big fashion designers. And, like, Charlie, like, mortgaged his flat about this. I was like, you did not tell, like, Nick about this? That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, and then we find out, like, Nicola comes and is just, like, thinks that Charlie's cheating on her with mm-hmm. Lola. And I was just like, that sucks. Um, but she breaks off the engagement. She leaves. She's not about any of this. And it's just, like, what he says to Lola here is just very much, like, you're not a real woman. Don't you, aren't you doing this so you can, like, you're a designer now to have a normal life? Because obviously what you're doing right here is abnormal and it's wrong. Which is completely opposite of, like, everything Everything they've done done to this point. So, like... I mean, I understand. Weird. It felt weird. I understand introducing this kind of like conflict in the second act yeah. to like for different like motivations and stuff, but it just felt so out of character to what we've seen so far. So and I, I wasn't a really big fan of that because yeah, it, me too. It seems like he seems like way more accepting. Yeah, and it, I I I wasn't sure if they were going for the Charlie's really stressed and emotionally pulled right now and people but, say things they don't yeah. like sometimes people say things they don't mean when they're in a state of stress or they're in a state of anxiety and i understood that like in, in charlie like again he's literally coming out of breaking off his relationship that was also an emotional stressor so i understand he's in a very stressed and overwhelmed space but it just no. it felt a little out of character yeah. given how totally open and accepting he's been of Lola from the start. Like we never really sensed any true judgment from him. Or like there, there might there was sometimes confusion or like not knowing the right term to use or something like that. But we never really got the sense of like actual malice. And it felt it did feel weird that it came out, out here. Of place. But I but I did I don't I'm not gonna say that it felt out of place because I do think mm. that sometimes this can happen. Like, sometimes yeah, people that you think are right. an ally can surprise you. And I do think he makes up for it later. Like, he does realize <sighs> the error of his ways and make up for it later. But that Raven. makes this scene all the more... Uh, uh, all the all the harder because you're just like, Charlie, this is not it, Chief. Like, this... What is going on? And sometimes Damn. that happens. And I'm glad that Charlie and Lolo were able to come back from it. But, yeah, this this moment was hard to, to really yeah, see. Yeah, because this. he was like, you're a joke. And I was just like, he's, Bro. like, ugh. Yeah. Um, so and then we get to a reprise fight. of Charlie's soliloquy. And he was like, who is I kidding? Who, who like, I'm, oh, I'm also, the joke. Oh, real quick, 
I'm a fool. He uses he uses uh like Lola's old name Simon, a kind of against her in a way that I really don't like because she introduced herself to him as like like meet Simon from Clacton in a, in a moment of pure intimacy and like openness and like a like it wasn't moment. it wasn't dead naming but it was dead naming adjacent yes and it, it that that was the the real linchpin of like oh but this is not it but then we get into probably the most like vocally demanding song of the mm-hmm. musical i think and we get into the soul of a man which is like a very interesting musically investigation of masculinity yeah i think i i yeah i I totally agree like this is i think this is sort of i think this is sort of charlie's follow-up to not my father it's like i've done fucked up where yeah where he's he's coming off of because after he got into the fight with lola she walked out on him obviously but then his entire crew walked out on him as well and in this song he's talking about how, uh, kind of again, going back to Not My Father's Son, where he really just wants to be like his dad. He wants to be successful. He wants to make this business work because, again, it's been here. It means so much to the people that are involved in it. And he doesn't, in navigating this portion of his life, interacting with Lola and being in this new space, like, he's really wondering, like, what do I have, what does it mean to be a man? How yeah. do I do that? What pieces of that have I learned from my father? And from what we talked about earlier of like in Not My Father's Son about making my own path, forging my own path, what pieces of that did I learn from my father and what pieces do I have to make up for myself? What pieces do I just have to say, this is what being a man means to me. And I really I really love this exploration of masculinity on an individual level. Yeah, and he like really explicitly states talking about his own like stupid like hubris. Oh, the yeah. folly of man. Um, and he's just like, you know what? There's no excuse. This is what happened, and this is what's yeah. Up and he about really it. takes accountability for how he's for how what he did wrong and how he hurt. Well, Lola. I don't. Yeah. Well, in this moment, it's not really accountability because he's just talking it's, to himself. It's a little but, more acknowledgement, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, but and then like you know, not to be super punny or metaphoric, but. Um, this is the point he was like, you know what, the other shoe has dropped. <laughs> fitting. A fitting pun. I love it. And he, like, did look, uh, when he was talking about, he, like, I looked up to you, like, talking to his sign, the sign, I think, did you think initially he was talking to his dad or to Lola? I was not sure. I wasn't sure either, and, I, I like, I did have to think think about it that's why i want to talk about it because of like looking at his like look up to like how he was protecting his workers because before here he was very much like the different his employees were like he was like no we're going to milan like the zippers like do it again do it again do it again and they were like you don't know what milan is so why are you putting these different expectations on us yeah to the point where everyone left that he has to do this all on his own now and it was I don't know if he was talking about his dad because for a majority of this, his dad like looked out for like his employees, minus the side dealings to sell everything off and square. To sell everything over. to the apartment, yep. Or was he talking to about Lola who is living life apologetically and being there and caring for other people? Because I think originally 
he was talking about looking up to his dad. Mm-hmm. And then it can also it just changes. be understood like there's some commonalities with Lola. But I, I agree. And I think I think it switches about halfway through the story. song. Um, yeah, 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 about, about, and, uh, 62% um, the way through. <laughs> and, and by the end, it definitely can be both, but there definitely is more, uh, allusion to Lola. So, like, um, he talks about the soul of a man being noble and wise. No pun intended. <laughs> being noble and wise, lifting him talking about high. a soul of a shoe, yep. listeners. <laughs> and, and being heroic and true. I love puns. Um, the soul of a man that he looks up to. And yeah. I think, especially by the end, that's why it applies to both his father and Lola. Because, at least up until the argument, his respect for Lola has been clear. Um, it, at the very least, in her honesty with who she is. Um, so then Lauren comes, uh, comes back and checks on him. They have, um, a little talk where she tries to pep him up, but she does admit, like, what she did was fucked up. Um, but it doesn't have to be the end of the world. And Lauren was like, he's like, hey, I'm trying to, like, talk to you person to person. I know I'm groping your thigh right now, but, like, I also felt the same when my my dad died. Um, and Lauren's very much was like, when after all was done the funeral and stuff like that it was very much just like oh these belongings this is what he's leaving to you lauren and lauren's like no that's not what he's leaving to me in here internally this pride this love yeah this is what was left upon me uh from him and what was left like inspired others to be who they are because that was the man lauren's dad was so then we, like, you know, go back to the factory, and we see, like, everyone is, like, working Bad. hard. Don and it's rallied beca- the troops. Don rallied the truth troops. Because Why it did wasn't he rally the troops, Campbell? Because it wasn't Lola for him to accept someone who, for who they are. It was for Charlie, someone he's known his yes. entire life, who has acknowledged he's stressed. I thought that working. was a really cute way to resolve that. I think I was the best way. It, it wasn't cheesy. It was. It, I thought there was nuance to it. Yeah, and it made sense because they had established that they did grow up together and they they yes. knew each other since childhood. So Don Don done it. Uh, mm-hmm. He has worked hard. He has accepted Charlie. He was like, you know what? He was like, we can't afford this. I don't need pay for the past two weeks, which yeah, ridiculous. He, he, he rips up their pay stubs and says, who needs to eat? You know what I mean? We can yeah. use this money to, to help get us to Milan. And like, we thank, see that. Like, thank God, like, part of his character was being stupid, because that tracks. <laughs> Facts. Um, but we see that this one pair of heels that they've been working on, that Charlie kept making them redo and redo to get it perfect for Milan, they did manage to redo. They got the and heel the way they wanted. And we're presented looks- with... Fabulous. I was interesting because I wrote, I was like, we were presented with the ugliest shoes I have ever seen. We, I loved the sequined heel. No, no, because it's no, no, it's all More black, but with a sequin, like and a bedazzled there heel. Were notes, I was there like, were notes of, uh, of of shine and silver there, sparkle. Besides, just it the was. Heel. I was just like, it's it was so patchwork and Frankenstein esque. I, I was just you. like, this sucks. Maybe <laughs> I was, I was just, like, just a fan of the heel. Um, you were just, like, caught up in the, the moment. The just like, we were like, you know what? Orphans are bad people, how we felt in <laughs> Anne. You felt, you felt similarly yeah. about, you're just like, no, they worked hard on this. This is a good shoe. 
Uh, I was so like, Char- these shoes suck. So then but Charlie Lola's calls not Lola. there. Nope. Because they're trying to fly to Milan, and uh, Charlie's left so many messages. And so he leaves her one more, just like, I'm so sorry for everything I said to you. Like, if, if, if you can find it in yourself to come, like, of course you're welcome. Of course we want you there. If, like, I totally understand. If not, but I kind of don't know how we're going to do this without you. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like I think something. Or we really couldn't have gotten here without. You. No, no, we're something really pro- powerful. He says, and I think this is like a really good point of this musical, talking about like toxic masculinity and self confidence and self worth. He says something along the lines of, "You are brave enough to face, to like face the world unapologetically, mm-hmm. and if that's what it means to be a man, you're the only man I have ever known." Which I loved that. Bit. I was just like, I was like, okay, Charlie, you have redeemed yourself. You, you because have you, redeemed you fuck, yourself. You, you done fucked up, A.A. Ron. Yeah. But this, I was just like, okay, you get it. You understand. Yeah. And then we get into the song, Hold Me in Your Heart, uh. which Lola looks great. But at this point, I don't know if it was just me. I was watching this with my boyfriend and I said this comment. I thought Lola died. <laughs> <laughs> she did look a bit like an angel. She and looked there was angelic. The, there, there was the light behind her. Nothing in the sort background. Halo around her. It was just like, you and left message I didn't respond to, but this is like my swan song, is yeah, what it was I what thought. It seemed and, like at first. <laughs> and, they, and he was like, he was like, why would you even think that? I was just like, I it, don't know. The dad died immediately. I don't, I don't know. Maybe no, this I, is I really depressing. Because, because also, it took me a second to notice the sign that behind her that said Clapton Nursing Home presents Lola. Um, oh, that's the point. I was just like, okay, so But this here's is... the thing. I noticed the dude in the wheelchair before I noticed the sign. So I was real confused. And I was like, is this like a clandestine meeting of her and her father's spirit? Uh, but no, she's no. performing at the Clacton Nursing Home. Her father has not died. He is actually staying at this nursing home. Um, and you at missed the, end of the, the song, best part of me. Yeah, uh, which is kind of uh, an allusion back to uh, Not My Father's Son, uh, which is where she says um, the best part of me was the part he couldn't see or wouldn't see. Um, And in this, it's like that and very much uh, hold me in your heart just the way I am. Yeah. Um, But we do know regularly that she performs at this nursing home. Mm-hmm. And and when she at the end of her song, when she touches uh, her father's shoulder, he does kind of like hold her hand for a second. I um, do think says, this I song was very much like Effie, like Dream Girls moment. I felt and that too. I'm a telling bit. you, um, which, I like, did nope. wish costume design thing. I did wish both of her arms had the wings. It felt I I get the asymmetry, the intentional asymmetry of the dress, only having it on one. Yeah, I think I would have preferred it on both arms personally, but that's just me. Um, oh no, I love asymmetrical moments. I see that for you. Because I am riddled with anxiety and the ADHD. Um, so it just, it like scratches my brain in a certain way for things not to be (laughs) matchy-matchy. I feel that. In the words of, uh, my dear, dear, dear pledge brother, Carolina. Um, but... I thought this was like, she looked so great. And it was very much, here is my stand. 
which I think is like really evident with the setting of it because it it was very much the song like how it goes musically and the performance and the look it's very much like I have made it yeah here is how I am belting singing performing but it is at the Clacton nursing home but she is truly who she is still giving that kind of performance so that acceptance of herself in that setting with Simon Sr. there, I just thought was, like, really powerful. Yeah, I, I If totally that's agree. a coherent statement. But I, I, I think it is, and I agree with it. Um, and so then we, we go to Milan. Oh, at this yes. point, I, like, did really want to talk about, though, or, like, mention that this is a stage show, but it's been recorded and videotaped. Which so there are different angles and stuff. Yeah, videotaped yeah. is not a freight, not a terminology people use anymore, I feel. Not really. No, not at all. <laughs> but, like, the different angles, especially in here, the boxing scene throughout yes. this stage recording, I thought was so well done. It Agreed. seemed so interactive. Yes. And I was just like, I just really, really recognized it at this point. Again, yeah. Broadway HD is or a directing, fun. Or directing, whatever, yeah. It's a really fun streaming service. We are not sponsored by them, but oh, I did be. give it Reach out to, to my mother as a Mother's Day gift that Raven and I are using more than her. So mm-hmm. Love that for us. <laughs> that's um, how we saw our and I, <laughs> Falsettos, for sure, is top three favorite musicals of all time. For oh me. my God, it was fantastic. Go listen to that episode if you haven't already. Um, so then we, we go to Milan. We're at the fashion show. Um, of course, uh, Lola and the angels aren't there right now. So we see Charlie's like, well, the show must go on. Yeah, and we see he, the agents like, the, the agent is like, be like, okay, you need to like do something. And Charlie's just yep. like, okay, so I'm the model. I'm the creator. I'm doing everything right now. So the uh, Milan stage manager is played by Emma O'Dell. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, you know what? Hell yeah, Charlie. He's going to model these boots himself, never having really walked in heels, and it shows. It shows. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so Charlie baby deers his way down the runway. He bambies it. He bambies um, his way forward. But then we do get into the history of wrong guys of reprise. There's a lot a of reprise. A, a reprise. I honestly salad. don't know which one is the correct pronunciation. Reprise. I've heard it both. I've honestly heard it both ways. But has it been from you and I while drunk? Possibly. <laughs> so like, you Doesn't can't count. go off. Of that. Like, that's not how that works. Um, he does manage to strike one pose. Yes, and again, um, Natalie McQueen. This like this song is very Cindy Lauper singing. It's so yes. like the runways do look great. Charlie just cannot work walk at all. No. The legs do look great though. Mm-hmm. I Those will boots say. are fantastic. Waist I up doesn't matter. These look these boots look great. Yeah, Raven. he's like in a blazer, a button down, un- like briefs, and then sorry not briefs, boxers, and then these. Which boots. is a great Halloween costume. I think I might do next year. High key, I would support that. Yeah, right. If you want to buy me those boots. I would be a fan of that. I will try to find a pair for you. Oh my god, this is so nice. I'm just oh asking god, you to pay I'm money for me. I'm writing it down on a sticky note right now. 
and I okay so and then I love the change in the lights and there's those different like boots yes very like going off in different directions yes and, and then, then who we shows see up Lo- Lola uh, the illustrious Lola and we get into raise you up slash just be yes which is kind of like the big ending uh, musical number for angels the- working it. Oh my gosh! And I love this. This is such a, a very big number. Again, like a big, big like accepting yourself. Um, stand like, up for myself. Standing up for yourself. I love one. I love how Charlie is trying to dance next to all of these angels. And like I, later on, as the song progresses, you see that like the actor Killian, like Killian Donnelly, like has actually like rehearse this and like can do the yeah. dance and stuff like that but in the beginning obviously he's acting and, and i love seeing like his awkward kind of stilted dance movements next to the professional performers it's it's kind of funny i will say though that like the rhyme scheme is like is pretty Weird. predictable in this song i mean yeah makes sense um and so, i wasn't like, the, super impressed by the song like the lyrics no 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 as like, like an ending song performance like the overall performance i was a fan of because it was it was yeah. big and it was a lot but as like a like song uh, itself eh. i wasn't like this was probably one of my least favorite songs and like it's that's yeah. kind of a shame for like the end of for the, the last album. one yeah so it's just like uh, very celebrate you Lauren. to elevate you uh yes. and i was just it just sounded like cindy lopper which i do celebrate appreciate um but okay so this is the point i was like uh it's very important to ask follow-up questions because lauren very much is like i'm into you i'm letting you know this yes hey do you still like girls hey are you in a relationship hey are you looking for an instrument are you emotionally like available for this kind of stuff and like he she just asked the right questions before and be like okay let's go on a date she's breaking the cycle (laughs) she broke the cycle lauren did such a good job i was just like oh man it's been i've i've waited so long (laughs) and then and so we see them kiss and then who do we see come out with more kinky boots but don himself learning to accept people for who they are uh i i loved when we saw the rest of the factory crew members come out in the and and their own pairs well actually most of them were wearing the reds and then the angels were wearing all the different pairs um, yeah. But I loved seeing them all come out in, like, the kinky boots, you know? I mean, they were hot. They were hot. Um, and and you know what? See... George, this is not the first time for him in these boots. Let's, let's Let's talk about that. <laughs> it's just like, okay, George, Rockin queer it. icon. <laughs> Facts. Um, and then I loved that we saw the little baby uh, Simon and baby Charlie come back. Yes, that was really nice to see. And I think a yeah. really good thing to do. And what I really liked about uh, Broadway HD in general, when we, like, get into the curtain call, they have the names of each of the actors and performers right under them when they're doing their bow. Which is so great. I was just like, hell yeah, this is what everyone should do for everything. Yes. And so after the curtain call, they kind of go back into the main chorus of the song. Um, and that and they of- have, they, they were like, you know the 12-step program, but the, here's our six steps. <laughs> and our six steps are, one, pursue the truth, two, learn something new, yep. three, accept yourself and you'll accept others too, four, yep. let love shine, five, let pride be your guide, 
Six, change the world when you change your mind. Yes, which all of which are great and solid advice. Um, yeah, I really, I really like the <laughs> good overall, insight, like, Raven. Motivational. I really like the overall motivational message. And Just I, I be who is, you want to be. I think that is the thing. That if it I doesn't do hurt like anyone, I fuck don't. It. I do agree that the like the lyrics and construction of the song is rather unoriginal but it does succeed i think because of its simplicity i wouldn't say unoriginal but i I would would say Um, simplistic i think there's a difference i agree i think both apply um but i i think i think that i think the benefit raven says cindy lopper go fuck yourself (laughs) i think the benefit of its simplicity though is that it's able to clearly deliver that message and it's able to be this big bold number um, with with all of these people participating to be able to get that across. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then my final note is, well, that was fantastic. Well, then they go into like the current call, and there's like different songs that plays there. But Sex in the Hills plays again. Uh, yeah. Um, and I yeah, I just love how they like credit like over the different people. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, that's so, Kinky Boots. So like theme. Raven. If you yeah. would so I've like. I've got some fun, composed, some fun notes for our composer's corner. Um, Raven's so composer's corner. Raven's composer's corner. Um, so starting off, of course, we've already talked about this, but music and lyrics were done by Cindy Lauper of Girls Just Want to Have Fun, True Colors fame. Um, so one of the things I thought was interesting, so she noted that it was really difficult to write character, or write songs for the characters and really build a story and a score for that. Like she was like, it's, it was very different than writing kind of one-off songs, even though it was about topics she was very familiar with in her music. Um, so kind of her method for this was she would sort of think of a song, record herself singing it, and send that off to Stephen Aramis, who was the orchestrator for this uh, musical. And he would sort of write it down and then build those vocal lines into full harmonies. Was he um, the one that did the incidental music? Yes, he would create the incidental music. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, I'm going to finish the rest of the trick. Same he would generate the sort of incidental music from those ideas, from those vocal harmonies and melodies, and that kind of linked all of the songs and scenes together. Um, so yeah, so the style overall was like pop funk, uh, new wave, and tango with the 12-piece orchestra. Um, so one thing that I thought was interesting, um, Cindy Lauper, and you mentioned the song earlier, um, Cindy Lauper was actually sued by two songwriters, uh, Benny Margolis and about Robert this. Tepper, over the song Raise You Up because they argue that it took elements from their song Into the Night. Um, which, as of as of last update, that case has not reached the settlement, so don't know what the that's going to yeah. be. Um, but yeah, I just thought that that was an interesting note. Um, it reminds so, me of uh, Raise Your Glass by Pink, which is a great song. So raise your glass. So our orchestrator, Stephen Aramis, um, he has worked on a variety of Broadway productions as both as either and or both a musical director and orchestrator. Um, so he worked on Avenue Q, which came up earlier. That was one of yes, our actors' credits. Uh, Wicked, All Shook Up, 9 to 5, and The Book of Mormon. So those I want to really... see all of those. <laughs> right? 
So I thought that was a really cool background on him. Um, and then the book itself was done by Harvey Fierstein, um, who's an actor, playwright, and screenwriter. Um, so he's worked on a bunch of different stuff. Um, he's worked on Hairspray um, within the theater. Um, as far as movies, he worked theater. on... Theater! It is my crap. You it's haven't done that thing in a while, and I love it for you. Um, yeah. He also worked on Mrs. Doubtfire, Independence Day, and he was the voice of Yao in Mulan and Mulan 2. Um, so he's won a couple of Tony Awards um, for uh, Torch Song Trilogy, um, set, well, for a lot of things. He's won several Tony Awards. Um, and of course, he worked on Kinky Boots, also Newsies, um, and he's also been inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame, which I thought was really cool. So, um, yeah, that's kind of our cast of characters um, for Composer's Corner. And I was thinking, Campbell, moving into our discussion question section. I forgot we did this, and I'm not prepared of the pod when are you ever because i come up with them just before the episode um so kinky really because you you fooled me <laughs> so kinky boots gives us a i think somewhat well-rounded view on allyship and tolerance in general like um different ways that people can kind of come to that space um so let me drink some gin <laughs> this seems like it's going to be loaded no, so just like in a in a nutshell, just one or two yeah. examples. What messages or lessons do you think the musical delivers on the topics of allyship and acceptance, um, and which characters, scenes, or motifs do you think it delivers those through? Okay, so, so like just the concept of allyship, like people have such preconceived notions of. Especially when it comes to, like, you know, gender identity, sexual orientation, that everything they do is based in sexual nature. Yeah. And that's fucked up. Yeah. It's an aspect of people's lives. It's not a, like, defining moment in, like, every action that they undertake. And so, I don't know, allyship to me is very much rooted in education of these well like i don't know if established is the right term but history of you know being who you are and representing those who cannot speak cannot act cannot be themselves consensually and anything that deviates from there is just like where i think a lot of like A lot of times bigotry like arises if that makes sense at all that it's very much like be your own person if no one's like being harmed by this for the people you like even if you like don't understand it but you still believe in like consent and love and things like that like mind your own damn business <laughs> yeah absolutely and i and i I think one of the main ways that the musical really delivers, I am aware. Um, I also (laughs) think one of the main ways the the musical delivers that message, like we've already talked about Don and Charlie's characters and how both of their character arcs are kind of directly along that bent. But 
the biggest way in which I think that the musical shows us the concept of like allyship and acceptance and tolerance without just telling it to us through Charlie and Don is just in the portrayal of Lola's character herself. Um, like Lola's character is very multidimensional. She is not no. left as a single dimensional character as we sometimes not see. Not a stereotype. In- in poor, yeah, in poor representation of LGBTQ individuals or, or drag queens or anybody who is not within the like kind of hegemonic norm, right, of society yeah. from a from a gender expression perspective, um, and I like that we get to see, we get we get a little bit of flashback um, into her past of her own accord, like by her own hand. Um, I love that we get to see her be vulnerable. We get to see her be strong. Um, we get to see her stand up to those who would tear her down. Um, and we get to see her teach others how to be more accepting. Um, and I, I, I think the, and we, and we get to see her again, have other aspects of her identity, um, besides just being a drag queen and being a performer. Um, like I really love how well-rounded Um, she is and that we get to see her be a full person whose background and life and outcome and welfare we are bought into and we are told to care about by the musical yeah i think this uh musical and these interactions specifically with lola and don's interaction it does make me like more clearly define the difference between ignorance and bigotry yes it's uneducated we like people like relearning a certain like learned behaviors mm-hmm. versus the choice to be to other people yeah to like for to choose people to be othered is what i mean by that yeah and kind of the the sort of almost deprogramming uh, uh process that people have to go through hacker voice i'm in i'm in um that's the gay agenda that sort of deprogramming process that people like don and even people like charlie have to go through when they're interacting with these groups regardless of their original perspective on them so like don is is uh actively uh starting off actively kind of against these sort of groups being included charlie is generally accepting but still ignorant in many ways and we get to see both of them come to this place of learning more and having to to contend with these sort of uglier parts of them that are not accepting of people like lola and i I love that we get to see and then we have trish i'm like (laughs) Like, you're doing all this (laughs) no she's doing all of her dick (laughs) she likes to bite it's just like, yeah, Don, especially in those boots, I can see it. I can, I can see, see it. the appeal. So, Campbell, mm-hmm. tell us what we will be playing tonight. So, Raven. Because I truly my, don't know. Yeah, because yeah, I, I didn't tell you. <laughs> so, Raven and I will be playing violin and clarinet, respectively, for a rendition of Land of Lola. Ooh, I'm excited. So, Raven, you're going to have to get jazzy. I'm going to have to get real jazzy, and we'll see if I'm up to the task. So, uh... Okay, so yeah, be right back. That was so much more together. 
was so happy. Hell that was yeah. fun. It, it is a fun. I, that went better than I expected. I was, I was, I, there were definitely parts of it that I could not play, especially when I was jumping strings. But overall, that wasn't as hard as I expected, even though I still didn't, like, do it all super well. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we have now yeah. reached it. Also, those two shots really sent me over the edge. Yeah, I'm definitely pretty, pretty tipsy now. <laughs> um, so, but with all that, Raven, how would you rate this on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I feel like a 8.5 or a 9. Like, there was one or two, uh, there were one or two points where she's like, oh, this song feels a little too poppy for me. Or, oh, I kind of wish, like, this was kind of like this. But overall, like, I thought this was a very well put together musical i liked um the way the music and the songs and the scenes like linked together i loved the character arcs i loved the overall message um really loved the music performance uh like we talked about i think like the lyricism i guess in uh raise you up um could have been better i think there were some parts that were maybe a little too poppy could have been adapted a bit more um and i do think there could have been more dancing overall there were some pieces um some musical numbers where it was kind of just the characters standing or gesticulating mm -hmm. um where there wasn't like anything that didn't involve lola or the angels rarely had real choreography it was more just standard stage blocking so it would have been nice to see more of that um but overall i think it was a great story i liked the character depth the character arcs um the lessons that it told i think a lot of the songs were really emotionally hard-hitting in, in just the right way um so yeah I, I think i would i think i'll land on a nine uh, i think i'll give it a nine i think i would give it an eight because there are like a couple i just dropped so many things that's going to be picked up on the I microphone <laughs> um but i think it will because the the main problems i have with this musical are some of the lengths of the songs it just like feels too much and Fair. I feel like some of the characterization, like some of the, it seemed kind of forced. It was like, oh, Charlie was actually not as like accepting as before. Trish completely was, you know what? 180. Yeah, well, complete 180. <laughs> so those kinds of things really took me out of it. But for the most part, I, gotcha. I really, really did like this. So I would give it an 8 out of 10. That's fair. That's fair. I think, I think that makes sense with our usual relative ratings. Yeah. yeah. Campbell. Yes. Where can you find us? Yes. Well, you can find us anywhere that podcasts are found. So it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Pocket Cast, uh, uh, Google Podcasts. Ooh, never heard of that one. It, a lot of people listen to us that way. And when you do listen to us, and if you like us, please, you know, rate us, review us, like, hi. Because if you're able, if you're able to rate us, like I know you're on like Apple stuff, Spotify stuff now, things like that. If you give us five stars, that means more people are going to be introduced to our podcast, and we can like spread our music education kind of mission more easily. But if there's anything that you know is like, hey, I have a suggestion. Hey, I don't really like this kind of thing. Hey, this could be a cool thing you can do. You can contact us at boozcools at gmail.com. That's b o o z i c a ls at gmail.com or you can dm us nice. at instagram at boozicals at b-o-o-z-i-c-a-l-s where i like to photoshop us into like really fun things and share different music education nonprofits, and you know podcast friends other kind of stuff mm -hmm. with that 
wow, all of those sounds like fantastic ways. I to crushed it. And I can't Best time I've wait ever to get said involved that. Involved with this rockin' podcast. Oh, rockin'. Oof. Rockin'. Okay. Bye. Bye.